Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name, Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, senior sports editor, your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. I had I had something funny I was gonna say I forgot it so I'll just say hello everybody how you doing all right how's everybody's week been going <laughs> oh, not bad fantastic absolutely mine I can't complain about right now but you didn't come here to hear us talk about that you came us you came here to hear us talk about some sports so join in that conversation on social media you can hit us up at ochoduroparleyhour.com join in on Facebook join in on Twitter join in on Instagram join in on Podchaser drop that five star review and always remember use the hashtag odph. And if we're talking sports, you know we kick off every sports edition of the ODPH podcast talking about the NFL week that was and our locks and leaps. Pad, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so I'm going to start uh, with my lock, which was the uh, Buffalo Bills to beat the New York Jets. I believe the line was like 14 or something like that. 13 and a half. 13 yeah. and a half, uh, which the Bills did not get, but they still won uh, by the final score of 18 to 10. Uh, Josh Allen, 30 of 43 for 307 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and then Sam Darnold, 12 of 23, 120 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts, or would you like me to take this one? I mean, I'll defer to you because I know you would defer to me on the Giants. So. All right, so this one was an ugly game, and mm-hmm. this was a trap game that was waiting to happen by the time that the Bills' first series was For the up. Jets, right, because they got Kansas City next week. That's what you're saying, right? It was a trap game for them? It, it was a trap game for everybody involved because right. two things to take away from this first half. One, the Bills came out absolutely flat. They were looking at New England. There was no rhythm to their office. Josh Allen, I don't know what the hell he was doing running with the ball. And he was obviously keeping out, doing some turnovers. Their kicking game suspect. I'm getting like very nervous about this. I know Hushka is no longer there. This one is not exactly putting me at ease. They need to sign that guy. I saw the video on Facebook. You might have seen it where this guy did a field goal kick by himself without a play, uh, placeholder. He spun the ball and just kicked it. They got to get something. Hey, Rosas I, I, is available if you don't mind You know, hitting runs. <laughs> I, I got to take what I can get. But at this stage... This was a scary place with Bass kicking. Obviously, relying on him to get you all your points is not a good sign. No, no, because he killed me week one. Yeah, no, he he has this effect where I know he's he's brand new and he's just trying to get every kick he can in. But Bat, Tyler Bass has got to get better can, about this. Can we just real quick, if we can dive into the kicker aspect because it's mm-hmm. just something that's not talked about. No, how insane is it? You talk college, mm-hmm. you know, fifteen yard. Hash to hash. Mm-hmm. So they're kicking, you know, when it's on the left hash from an angle of like 45-ish, 40 degrees, mm-hmm. you know, from the left hash if you're a right-footed kicker to make it into the, you know, the upright. Yeah. And the NFL, it's condensed. It's only 10 yards, hash to hash. Mm-hmm. How is it so, – so how do these rookie kickers and punters become such an issue? I mean, I remember the Giants, uh, you know, Riley Dodge – you know, was the punter uh, after Weatherford retired for, you know, about a cup of coffee Mm. until they cut him. And, you know, 
I just, I don't get it. You're just, all you got to do, it's not like you need to learn the playbook. You don't need to remember snap count and, you know, who the Mike linebacker is and what the protection's going to be. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is catch the ball and kick it. Yeah. It's the same thing that you did in college. It's the same yeah. thing. And, and funny you bring up college. I'm looking at Tyler Bass's college numbers uh, for his four years at Georgia Southern University. Uh, he had a field goal percentage of 79.4. Uh, and from one to 19 yards out, he was one for one. 20 to 29 yards out, he was 13 for 14. 30 to 39 yards out, he was 13 for 17. And then 40 to 49 yards out, he was 25 uh, of 32. And then 50 plus, he was two for four. Well, I think about Kyle Bresna from Notre Dame, who's the all-time leading, or was until Kyle, until Yoon came through, mm-hmm. who's the all-time leading scorer, you know, kicking-wise for Notre Dame. Couldn't make it in the NFL because he couldn't mm-hmm. kick. And same with, same with Yoon. He's not in, Justin Yoon's not in the NFL. Yeah. He's the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame for kickers. And they can't make it in the NFL. It's got to be a mental thing. I don't, I, yeah. it's, don't ask me why. I, I, yeah. I wish I had a good answer yeah, for that. No, I know. It's but. just, you think about it. I mean, Take a really, like Chicago, yeah. for example, the, the double doink. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lucky kicker. It's yeah. it's just something when they get to the pro level, and obviously this year you got to put an asterisk on it because little to no crowds at every game. Sure. Mm-hmm. But playing in front of that many fans each and every week, maybe sure. it's just something that they're not used to feeling that pressure at being at the pro level. I I, I don't know. Like I'm just trying to yeah. spitball a guess here because I don't get it. And to see how Bass has been kicking, mm-hmm. that has been a, a very big worry for me. Yeah, sure. Going forward, I'll it, say it was to even to the point where we were out watching the game, Ken, you and I, and you told me. With Bass as suspect as he's been, you don't even look up until he, after he's kicked the ball. Yeah, I can't because he somehow has this like mystique that if it's a chip shot, he's wide right, and if it's like some freakish fifty-yard shot, he's like right down the middle. Well, like, it's, it's, a, some, it's a point of contention for fans. Yeah, I mean, it's a big like you know when you're talking about the fact that week one, I mean, he missed what two field goals? Yeah, you know against the Jets week one. I mean, it's a, it shouldn't be a concern, you know? And, I mean, the fact that they move the extra point back to make it more difficult. Yeah. It's like nobody's rushing in to try and block these kicks. You mm-hmm. know, everybody just stands up and does the, the, the pat unless the game's close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're still missing them. It's absolutely wild to see, and this is not going to help a Bills offense that could not put it in the end zone. Albeit, though, they did have about three touchdowns get called back for stupid penalties. Yeah, oh, yeah, there was that one sequence. Yeah, so, but the takeaway is the Bills couldn't score, and then they had nothing to bounce back from the Jets, who actually looked like a competent football team for two quarters. And I think the reason for that being is, and I can't take credit for learning this, a Jets fan, uh, I overheard a Jets fan talking about this uh, yesterday. Adam Gase wasn't doing the play calling. Right. No, he didn't. Yeah, he he gave a 0-6 start. He decided, you know what? Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just calling horrible plays. Maybe, you know, you, you see that in everyday life. Oh, if you're a little down, things aren't going well, you change your routine a little bit. You know, Gase, 0-6, you know what? Why don't we change things? Why don't I actually let my offensive coordinator call the plays? And you know what? Look pretty good for a couple quarters. They look good for a couple quarters. Like I said, Frank Gore looked like the Frank Gore old. I think mm-hmm. he had 38 yards of his total 60 in the first quarter. Yeah, like he looked first like 10 minutes. Yeah, he looked absolutely freakish. Lamichael Preen, mm-hmm. he looked like a competent running back, and I never yeah. heard of him. And he actually what 39 and one. So you yeah. have to say this team actually showed some life. But then once we get to the second half. Mm-hmm. Thank God for adjustments because the Bills looked like the same defense schemes that they were running against Tennessee and Kansas City. They weren't changing up. 
they finally got off their asses and switched it, mm-hmm. and they did stop the Jets for, I think, a total of, what, four yards the entire second half? Something like that. Something freakish like that. Yeah. Still couldn't punch it in the end zone, yeah. but they got the win. It was ugly. is nothing really to write home about. Right. If they do this against New England next week, I guarantee you it will be a long day mm-hmm. for any Bills fan. And for the Jets, well, congratulations. You're still in the tank for Trevor race. Say if they, Trevor goes. If, if he does. Trevor, well, uh, and I did see their projections are that the Jets have a 55, now 55% chance to get the number one overall pick. Oh, I, I mean, it's going to take them to have an epic win streak to get it out of uh, yeah. anybody else's grasp right yeah, now. Yeah. But enough said about that game. Bills have a big test next week against New England, and mm-hmm. they better lock it up because after that they got Seattle and Arizona lined up, yep. which is not going to be any fun days. Mm. Uh-huh. Pat, who you got? Uh, yeah, so for my leap, I decided to – I was feeling Derrick Henry and the playmaking and running ability. Maybe it was because I got him on my fantasy team. Uh, and I chose the Tennessee Titans to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers as my leap. Uh, however, did not pan out. Came close, though. Uh, Pittsburgh won by the final score of 27-24. to Ben Roethlisberger, uh, 32-49 of 49 for 200. 168 yards passing, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, and then Ryan Tannehill, 18 of 30 for 220 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Coach, you want to talk about kickers? How about Steven Gotkowski at the end? <laughs> yeah, I don't get what's going on there. I mean, my God. I, I had it no words for that. Uh, but, I mean, that doesn't that's not even the title tape of this game because Pittsburgh was up 24-7 mm-hmm. and then left their foot off the gas. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I this Pittsburgh team is very good. You yeah. know, I, I yeah. mean, granted, when you're up big on a team like that, you know, you might have, um, you know, some issues, you know, um, being able to, to score on some teams. And that will happen. You know, I mean, I think it's a little bit, you know, it's inevitable that, you know, you're going to be able to stop teams, but then adjustments happen. And that's what happened in this game. You know, the Titans made adjustments at halftime that, you know, the Pittsburgh might have let their foot off the gas and let them in the game. I mean, they you limit limit Derrick Henry, but you got to be able to to put the kibosh on Tannehill, and that's what they weren't able to do in the second half. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at something, uh, Ken. Uh, your kicker has better stats than Goskowski does. This is a parallel universe, man. Twenty uh, field goal percentage for Tyler Bass seventy point six percent for the year, which is good for twenty eighth in the league. Uh, on the flip side, Steven Goskowski, 62.5%, good for 32nd in the league. And then extra point percentage, 94.7%, uh, which is tied for 19th. That's for Tyler Bass. Steven Goskowski, 90%, which is tied for 24th. Holy cow. You want to talk about like a semi-fall from grace, man. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe there's a reason New England got rid of him. New England is looking very smart in certain aspects. So you see that you see that every now and then that like they get rid of a longtime player, somebody's been that been with them a while, and you go, What the hell are they thinking? And then you a couple weeks later you go, Oh, that's what. And I figured he might be the missing piece for Tennessee because take maybe. away nothing from this performance. They scrapped with Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. This was as smash mouth as you get. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh definitely implemented their will early, and I thought this was going to be a runaway game. Oh, yeah, especially up 20, uh, 24-7. 24-7 at halftime. I, th- I think what happened is is Tennessee re- relying on Derrick Henry a little bit and realized, okay, because Derrick Henry, 20 carries for 75 yards, one touchdown, realized, all right, not going to be able to lean on him the entire game like we did last week. Time to flip the script on this one. Yeah, and you actually had Ryan Tannehill – 
play decently. Decent, yeah. I mean, like I don't want to take anything away from him because he's had a career resurgence being in Tennessee. But if you think about it on paper, was he going to be able to hang with Ben Roethlisberger? Let's be honest. I mean, on paper, you would think no because, I mean, you just look at the running game, James Conner, Derrick Henry, okay, advantage Tennessee. Mm -hmm. But then you look at the receiving core, you know, you got Juju Smith-Schuster, you know. uh, Chase Claypool. uh, Chase Claypool. Whereas uh, with Tennessee, you go A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys. You know, I mean, A.J. Brown. Hell of a day. Six catches for 153 yards, one touchdown. Yo. Yeah, no, they balled out of their minds the second half, which. Whoever's playing Tennessee next week, double cover that guy. Yeah, Tennessee actually showed they were a, a more than a one dimensional offense, which mm-hmm. they needed to. And I think that if anything, I don't want to say this was a good loss, but this was a really b- a good barometer to see yeah. is Tennessee for real? Yeah. And I they fully believe they are. I think that Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, well, Ryan Tannehill, like I said, when you have Derrick Henry, who's a, a league MVP candidate in his he own right. He fixes a lot of holes. Yeah, he covers a lot of Band-Aids. So Tannehill is looking like a competent quarterback, but when it actually came time to throw, he was nailing some shots there. And he was keeping up with Roethlisberger, which I was very surprised to yeah. see. I have to admit. Yeah. That was the biggest takeaway for me and how Tennessee came to, right down the field. And you can't do anything better than get in that position to kick that tying field goal, and then, well, kickers are going to kick. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not blaming this all on Goskowski because it's not all on him because the fact that Tennessee had a fight to get back there, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's heartbreaking when it gets down to that last minute and you have a chance to tie and get in the game in overtime, and then it's anybody's guess what happens there. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that Tennessee could scrap with Pittsburgh. That's the takeaway from this. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think – Tennessee really hasn't lost many pieces from year to year, no. from last year to this year. No. So, I mean, they were, uh, what, in the AFC title game last year? So, yes. I mean, they're still a good team. Yeah. Defensively, actually, they've looked a little weaker. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Logan Ryan left, obviously, now with the Giants. And, you know, they picked up Clowney, who hasn't really had the year that he did last year in Seattle. Um, maybe that's why teams weren't jumping to sign him to such a lucrative deal. Could you know, be. it might make sense. But, Could be. Um, I, yeah, Tennessee is a very serviceable team. I think the biggest thing is is that if it comes down to a shootout, you know, a game against Kansas City, a game against, um, you know, another Baltimore. high Baltimore. Well, I mean, they, you know, they were able to stop Baltimore last year, but you know, if it does come to a shootout where you know they can't rely on running the ball, the problem is, do they have enough firepower to keep them in games? And I mean, Tannehill played good, and you know, AJ Brown, 165 yards, that's great. But you know, I mean, you got to be able to stop teams too if they're yeah. going to put up points. And they were able to stop Pittsburgh. And you saw they got back into the game. But yeah. you know, I think Pittsburgh is right now, you know, an upper echelon of the, of the NFL. I mean, people are saying that they're better. You know, they're ranking them higher than Kansas City because of their record. Mm-hmm. But then when you really break down the eyeball test, I mean, I would still put Kansas City as one. Yeah, no, um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Pittsburgh is very good, and I, I really, if that comes down to an AFC title game or a playoff game, I'm here for that. Well, that would be a great yeah. game. I'm looking at Pittsburgh's schedule. They do not play Kansas City this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, come playoff time, that'll be a great mm-hmm. game. And I mean, I think Tennessee is going to be obviously anytime that you got a running back that you can chew clock up with and you're yeah, able to oh, effectively yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, you saw it in the game against Houston. You know, the week before, if they're able to in the Bills game, you mm-hmm. know, they really were able to run Derrick Henry well. Uh, you know, if they're able to keep the ball, you know, and the clock moving, I don't. I they're tough to beat. Absolutely. I mean, Tennessee is going to be in here for the long haul. I mean, they're running slowly but surely away with the AFC South. 
So now is a question of can they sustain this momentum going into the playoffs? And for Pittsburgh, I mean, they're clicking on all cylinders. I mean, what can you say? They're six and zero. Six and zero. They got Baltimore next week, which that matchup just got real interesting. That's going to be a great that's game. Sunday night, right? Uh, no, that's one o'clock. Oh, it's a one o'clock game, and Baltimore uh, is Wild. signing Des Bryant to their yeah. practice squad. So that just got real yeah, but interesting. he's not going to get clear in time. Probably not. No, but the fact that they might have a weapon going into the playoffs that's hey, going to be a huge it's thing. Also, thirty plus year old re- weapon. It's also the uh, only the first time they're playing Baltimore. They do have a second matchup uh, at the end of. November. So there's a lot of stuff to look forward to from this game, but Pittsburgh, like I say, this was a good test to see yeah. where everybody ranked. Pittsburgh, obviously, the last undefeated team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And for Tennessee, there's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, the fact that they scrapped and came back, this is what you want to see out of a team that a lot of people, I mean, including myself, was very skeptical of, okay, were they going to be able to recapture that magic from last year? I think it's safe to say they do. Yeah, I think it's very safe, but now Obviously, they're in a weaker division. Yeah. What are they going to do when they get in the playoffs? Right. And can they really keep up with a shootout with Kansas City? And that's the thing with Tennessee, too, is, you know, yeah, they were able to rely on Derrick Henry, and that caught some people maybe a little flat-footed. That ain't catching nobody flat-footed this year. Yeah, they're not going to surprise you, anybody. Because you, you go up against a team with a good front line on defense and then a good secondary, what the hell are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be almost next to near impossible to stop anybody mm-hmm. on that. So it's just anybody's waiting to see, I guess, Yep, and the clear up to Sunday night's game is going to be the Cowboys at the Eagles. Ooh. Oh, okay. so they haven't, they haven't flexed out of that one. Love, well, they can't yet. Right, right. Yeah. NFC East dominating the prime time games because Monday night the Giants, baby. Well, speak of record those, low ratings. Speak of those Giants. Shall we get into it, Coach? Yeah. Well, I mean, we all had the same lock, so let's get that you know out of the out in the air there because mm-hmm. we all thought the bill. Oh, you didn't pick no, the I Bills. No. no. Wow. Shame on you. No. I, shame on you I, for not speaking the truth to your team, man. Because I knew his division. Mm. I I always say this. There's certain rules I do about with locks and leaps. If well, it's division, I try staying away from them because you never know. I stay away from my team on just a general basis. I, on the other hand, did not. And I picked them hot Giants coming off of that very close loss against the Dallas Cowboys to beat Philly. Although I also played the points, which unfortunately just finding out does not count in our thing, which is hurtful because they covered. Uh, They lost uh, 22 to 21. Pad, before I go into my spiel, please. Uh, The thoughts, views, and opinions upcoming are that of – Coach Duffy, listener discretion is advised. Oh, I was going to have you give him the stats, but we'll roll with that too. Because yeah, we'll, we'll tell you, we have to give you that sound. I the time. I was in a roller coaster of emotions this game. It was it was all the highs and lows of being a Giants fan. I went from them being up ten or fourteen to six or something like that, thinking, "Holy shit, they're the best team in football." They're going to oh no, they, excuse me, they were down seven nothing. Yeah. I thought they were the worst team in football. That they shouldn't have been on the field. Then somehow they got up 14-10, and I said, oh my God, this is the best team in the NFC East. They're going to fuck around. They're going to win this division. They're the best team in football. Watch out. Here we come. We're going to get on a roll. We're going to win this division. We're going to win the Super Bowl. That's what I thought. That was my that was my high. And then Daniel Jones fell, running 21.0 mile, or 21.2 miles per hour, which is the fastest speed, second to DK Metcalf later that night <laughs> or uh, week. Also, the longest run by a quarterback since uh, Marcus Mariota in 2015. Yep, but yep. then the turf monster jumped out, grabbed his leg, he rolled over. No, I thought it was Randy Orton. I thought he RKO'd him. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of things. Amazing. I thought he got um, stunned by Stone Cold. And then I turned, and I turned to Aaron, you know, my wife, and I said, this is it. 
this is it. They're not going to score on this drive. Aaron, they're not going to fucking score on this drive. They were wide open, wide open run, and they aren't going to score. Luckily, they did score, so thank God for that. However, uh, then, you know, Philly has time left on the clock because Evan Ingram, alligator arms, a wide open pass, a beautiful play call by Mr. Jason Garrett, who I theorize has found his has found the niche with this team i think he finally gets it mm-hmm. i think he's calling great plays i i think the schemes right now are working offensively although they're not putting up huge points um you know i i think that the offense is moving and they're getting momentum you know wayne gallman finally got in the game which i don't understand why he was uh so low on the depth chart in giants eyes because he had played very well in uh, relief of Saquon Barkley, you know, last year, especially after he rolled his ankle. Mm. But I'm digressing. Um, so then, you know, the Evan Ingram drops the pass, which he leads tight ends in since 2015 drops, Ooh, which is that? nuts to me yeah, because crazy, everybody thinks he's such a dynamic playmaker and everything. And you know, you look at the likes of you know all the other tight ends in the league, Travis Kelsey, um, Kittle. Kittle, you know, and um, Hooper and all these other tight ends that get all this, you know, fanfare. And I mean, everybody's always so high in, you know, Evan Ingram. Well, the results aren't there, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it, it's shameful because I think he's a dynamic player. They should be able to move him out in the wide receiver spots and do all these things with him. And he's just not reliable. So if they, you know, trade him, they trade him. But, um, you know, he drops a pass. Uh, Philly comes down the field. And then on one of the worst defensive calls of all time. Jabril Peppers, I don't know what he he looked like. Landon Collins out there in coverage. Uh, uh, Boston Scott, you know, came out of the mm-hmm. flat for a nice little you know angle route, you know whatever you want to call it, wheel route for running backs. Carson Wentz put the ball. I mean, first off, this is after penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty. Put the put Philly on the two yard line. Put him on the ten yard line. Put him back to the two yard line. Then put him back to the twenty yard line. I was like, the Giants are going to be able to win this game. They're going to pull it out. They're going to stop him. Mm-hmm. Not until you know Scott caught that touchdown pass, and then the Giants lost, and then my roller coaster ended with then saying they're the worst fucking team in football. Well, they're terrible. They're not. They're, no. They are. The, no, 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 no. Listen, the Jets almost beat the Bills. The Jets almost beat the Bills. The Jets were in that game for two quarters. So here's the, Jets, the Jets were in that game for two quarters, and that hey. was that was, was kind of like the you know the planets aligning in the universe. That was the right mix of things to happen. Yeah. So here's my real problem with the Giants now, because now I mean, even though they're still in the division, they're out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So here's the problem. They are in the potential, you know, because if the Jets, you know, something happens, you know, the moon, stars, all of them align, they could win a couple games. The Giants are going to beat Dallas come when they play in in New York. They're probably going to beat Philly when they come to New York, too. So there's three wins now. They're probably going to beat Cincinnati because their defense is all right. So there's going to be four. And then they might fuck around and win a fifth game. So they're going to go from the second pick or potential first all the way to ninth or 10th, like they do every year. And I'm going to be pissed because at least at the minimum, if they're not going to, you know, Justin Fields might be there, Trevor Lawrence might be there, you know, the wide receiver out of LSU might be there, the, the um, Alabama wide receiver who's done for the year, unfortunately got injured, he might be there. So, you know, these, pick, these picks might be in the top five. I don't know if they'll be there at nine. And now this is a problem for me. Well, I think you got to look at it from a couple di- different angles from this. 
I can understand your point of view because obviously the team is not playing up to snuff. But I will agree with you. Garrett has called some better games. Yeah, he, much better. Much, yeah, much, much better. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Ingram dropping that ball, that was your momentum killer. And oh, I mean they they listen. That took the wind right out of the sail. Yeah, I mean that, that was, was a done. third and one. Beautiful play call. Philly had no idea what was coming at him. And it hit him right in the hands. And it hit him right in the hands. Yeah, like that, there's no excuse for that. No. So, for all the hype that Ingram gets, because I think what it is, he reminds me of Jeremy Shockey. Yo. No, no. That's a callback. Whoa. Yeah. No, 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 no. Ken, no. That's why I think the hype is Eric Ingram. Eric Ebron, if anything. Tight end with a ton of hype who kind of coasted his entire NFL career. That's what it reminds me of because Eric Ebron came in. He's going to be the greatest tight end in NFL history. He can block. He can do everything. Vernon Davis, that style, that mode. You know, he can be on the outside. He can be in the inside. He can play tight end. He can block. You know, that's what I, that's what I would say. Jeremy Shockey, Ken, listen, Giants fan here. Jeremy Shockey was a man child. You know, he was George Kittle before George Kittle was George Kittle. See, I just think about just taking the the character out of him. I just think it's just kind of like how they run routes and how they catch balls. Like that's, well, Jeremy Shockey caught everything. Yeah, what, <laughs> I, every, Ingram but, drops everything. But I think it's just because they both drafted and yeah. were they both from Miami too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, he, uh, Ingram is from Ole Miss. Okay, he was SEC. I think player. it's just because he is the high profile tight end. I sure, mean, maybe that's what it's clicking in. No, I mean I I understand. Yeah, he's the highest drafted tight end that the Giants had in a long time. Yeah, and they are famous for their tight ends. Yeah, and I but think, you I, know, Shockey. I, I think that that's just what it kind of reminds me of. Like the hype is there for him, but he's just has never delivered. He's had a couple great games. But it's just nothing that has really been like, okay, you're reinventing the position. Like, uh, do I consider you on the same level as Kelsey and Kittle? No. Fuck I, no. No. God, no. no, way you no. Oh, which no. is embar- which is yeah. brutal because he should have been. When he came out, that's what everybody, you know, it wasn't because Kittle and, and Kelsey weren't exactly up to that level yet. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the, the comparisons were there of, you know, he's going to be, you know, the next great Giants tight end. Yeah. And he has not lived up to that bill. I mean, mind you, listen, this was a team that, you know, after Jeremy Shockey got traded to the Saints – you know, was Kevin Boss. Yeah. You know, who? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. but a very consistent pass yeah. catcher and route runner, you know. And, I mean, arguably right now the best giant tight end is Kane Smith out yeah. of Stanford, who I don't think plays enough. You know, we we talked last year about Pat Schumer running, you know, the 11 set, which is two tight ends and two wide receivers too much. But, you know, I mean, when you look at who the wide receivers are, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, outside of that, Darius Slayton, you know, is good, could be in that role. But the two tight ends are arguably just as good as the three wide receivers. So I would run Caden Smith more, but that's just my opinion. No, and I think that that's not a bad call to do as well because no. I think that for the Giants, they got to do something, but they are taking steps in the right direction. But when Ingram or, uh, dropped the, that pass, oh. that was the game. And, and I, I stayed up. I was sucker. I fell for it. I, I mean, I, you know, it's documented. I get up at fucking five a.m. and I was like, I listen. I am going to bed at halftime. Mm-hmm. The debate was on. I was like, all right, I'll watch this. The Giants were on my phone. I'll watch this, and then I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. And then they were winning, and I was riding that high. Super Bowl champs, here we come. And then boom, the lows. And that's being a Giants fan for you, ladies and gentlemen. And that's also the story of 2020. Yeah, no, yeah. I, you know, I, I, could yeah. De- I could definitely hear that. But like I say, it was just Ingram and the last five minutes in the defensive 
atrocities that were also, just, also just a bad game for Philly because you know, final score 20 let me get the stats in because I haven't even read the stats sure oh. 22 uh, to 21 Philly won Carson wants 25 of 43 for 359 yards passing two touchdowns one inter- interception Daniel Jones Danny Dimes 20 of 30 for 187 yards two touchdowns one interception this is a bad game for Philly in my opinion Don't get, Giants are their own their own ball of mess easy this easy was the, this was the Giants performance that made Philly a bad team this was a bad Philly performance though because you look at last week where they were getting blown the you know what out by Baltimore screwed around and came back and only lost by two. Hey, that's because mm. Baltimore left the foot off the gas. Listen, yes. this was a this was a Giants performance, not Philly. This was Giants, baby. To me though, to me though, that Super Bowl champs. To me though, yeah, you lost back on the high. You you lost to Baltimore. You should be riding that high. You should have beaten. You should have beaten the Giants by more than two. I'm not going to say by like double digits. That's what I'm saying. You know, not by 21 or or 28 or 30 something. Not by like that much. But like you should have still beat them by more than just one point. And I got one more thing too. Uh, Mr. Harper of the Giants, I believe 37 or 45. Uh, one got a personal foul late in the game um, for uh, you know getting in the face of somebody in the end zone, which you know cost the Giants. Uh, you know, a, a pass interference call, or whatever. Then uh, Harper tackles Deshaun, jo- Deshaun Jackson. He's laying on the ground after a punt. Um, now, he didn't get the flag for it. They called the helmet to helmet hit, which was complete bullshit because Deshaun leaned into the hit. So, what can you do? But, you know, whatever. That's the rules these days. But then, as Jackson's laying on the ground, Harper jumps on him and his leg was all the way, you know, in the bent position. And it rolled uh, his knee, and now he's out again. Mm. That, you know, when Joe Judd's talked about, you know, they, they cut a guy last week who had the penalty on the kickoff or the uh, special teams play against the Cowboys mm. that cost that touchdown. Harper should get cut too because that was bullshit. He was clearly down, and you lunged while he was laying on the ground. And you, I mean, you injured the guy. And I like Deshaun Jackson. I've been a Giants fan my whole life. Yeah. And I, that's bullshit. You know, I mean, you can't do that. Um, and then also, uh, dear Philly fans, you fair weather motherfuckers, uh, you know who you are. Don't go on Facebook talking about how you hate Carson Wentz, and then two months later say how much you love him. Facts. Pick mm. your lane. Facts. Pick your lane. Either you love him or you hate him. Ken, you've known me. You understand uh-huh. how how much have I been on the Danny John, Danny Dimes bandwagon for since this day one? Well, I mean, yes, but how consistent have I been saying if the Giants have the ability to draft Trevor Lawrence? Oh yeah, they Trevor should Lawrence, get him. yeah, you should get him first for foremost. Yeah, I I absolutely I've been consistent from day one, from day one with it. Mm-hmm. Pick your lane. Either you love Carson Wentz. Or you hate Carson Wentz. You take him at his best. You take him at his worst. But do not sit here and tell me, oh, he's my quarterback. And then the next week when they play you're whoever ready they to play. Run out of town. When, yeah, you're ready. Oh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is the truth. Let's get him in. Let's get him in. Send Carson Wentz packing. Mm. I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm tired of it. It's exhausting. Pick a lane. Or certain fans of Miami with Tua. Yeah, there's a fucking lane and then stick in it. And since we're talking about injuries, though, let me flip it to Cleveland. Yo, okay, I feel better. Yeah, sometimes it just feels good to do that. You know, at Coach Duffy Levin on Twitter, we will definitely keep that conversation going at OD Parlay Hour. Fair weather. But getting back to Cleveland, though, they did suffer a very big mm. injury mm-hmm. since we were mm. talking about legs and wide receivers. Odell Beckham Jr. out the year. Yep. Torn ACL, I believe. Yep. yep. 
and definitely that is going to hurt the Browns moving forward. Yeah. But the Browns, though, for my lock, they did win. They didn't cover, though. Pad, you got those stats. Yep, so the Browns won by the final score of 37-34. to 34. Baker Mayfield, 22 of 28 for 297 yards passing, five touchdowns, one interception. And then Joe Burrow, 35 of 47 for 406 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Coach, are the Browns more a contender, less a contender? Any change of your opinion? I mean, I'm less worried about the Browns. Better watch out for them Bengals. I Yo. mean, we're sitting one five and one, but they've been in a lot of that one five and one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of those five losses are within a, a touchdown or less. So uh, I think that this team, once they get a defense and maybe a little bit better of an offensive line, so Joe Burrows doesn't have to run like a madman. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be a playoff team. I think in years, a couple of years, they're going to look good. I mean, unless they pull something crazy off in free agency. You know, I mean, they got an asset in A.J. Green that, you know, right now Tyler Boyd and Higgins are playing pretty well that it might be disposable. Um, you know, you might be able to leverage him for some additional picks. Mm. Not Probably not a first round because he hasn't just been playing up to that level. But, you know, second or third. We've seen wide receivers, obviously, that are of elite caliber mm-hmm. you, uh, earn first-round picks in return. So, who knows? You know, you might get a team that's desperate enough that needs it, <coughs> New England, um, that, you know, might be willing to shell out that first pick. But I'm saying he's an asset that can be moved that you, this can leverage this team to be very good. And, I mean, on to Cleveland, yeah, I mean, they're a good team. Baker Mayfield obviously was healthier. The loss of Beckham, we'll see. I mean, is it the is it the Patrick Ewing comp, uh, complex here? Where maybe, or Patrick Ewing theory, I should say, where, you know, maybe now without the the attention that he draws from your quarterback having to get him the ball, Mm -hmm. you know, will Baker Mayfield feel a little less pressure and um, be able to distribute a little bit better? I mean, the young man, uh, I'm trying to get his name up here, uh, their Higgins, uh, our Higgins here, uh, Rashad Higgins, Higgins, you know, was able to step into that role. You know, I mean, uh, Jarvis Landry's obviously, you know, not been the same since he left Miami, but he's still an elite playmaker that, you know, maybe now he'll step up to and be able to have more opportunities and we'll see. I mean, it's very, and it's definitely going to help change the play calling. Stefanski is going to be able to now really say, hey, listen, we need to run the ball, mm-hmm. and that needs to be our primary weapon. Um, and, you know, I don't think Landry will complain because he's never been that kind of guy, and Higgins not because he's going to be thankful he's getting an opportunity. So this, I mean, I, and I don't want to say that because I, I thought Beckham was playing really well. You know, I, I think the negativity around him is mostly just media presence that just loves to, to focus on that because it bushes ratings and headlines. Being able to say, oh, there's Odell Beckham throwing a tantrum again. You know, I, I think that's mostly just narrative by fake news media, if you will, um, if I can borrow that coin. Mm. And uh, um I, I just don't think it's fair, but I you know you never want to see a season-ending uh, ending injury, especially no. to a guy of his skill level being an ACL tear, yep. because that's going to be a year minimum, you know, and yeah. that's tough road back. Yeah. Okay. I mean, in terms of your question, are the Browns for real? Are they less or whatever? I think it's kind of like even keel. Like, let's not forget, they scored a t- their go-ahead touchdown with 11 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Like, this to me, like, you, this wasn't a dominant win. This didn't improve your stock any bit. It stayed the same, and if anything else, the loss of Odell Beckham Jr. knocked it down just a little bit. Not huge, not not tons. If you're if you're thinking like a line graph, it's just down just just a hair. You know, you're a good football team. You have good defensive players. Miles Garrett playing out of his goddamn mind yeah, the last lead, couple of games. Leading league nine sacks. Yeah, just, just playing out of his goddamn mind. But you're still so damn suspect that a team like Cincinnati, rookie quarterback, 
runs all over Hell's Half Acre, you know, just to survive and get a pass off. You know, they're they were one four and one coming into this game. You you should have beat him very easily. Obviously, the loss of Odell Beckham Jr. hurt him a little bit. Don't know what he factored into their game plan. If he was a huge part of it, or he was just kind of like his usual part of it. But you should have beat him by more than just three points, and it should have been over well before 11 seconds were left in the game. It's the one thing about division games, and I think I harp about this a lot on the show, is no matter how bad the teams are or how good they are, they always play each other very, very tough. I mean, like I say, I probably harp on it way too much, but it's the truth. And every time the Bengals are supposed to have a very bad team, they always give the Browns fits, and they always get in these crazy shootouts. Mm-hmm. It's a wild thing to watch, but I think if you're a Cincinnati fan, your takeaway is Joe Burrow is the real deal, and if he only had some more weapons around him, they'd probably be winning a couple more games. Yeah. And for the Browns, the Beckham injury is going to be a really interesting point to watch for the rest of the season. Like Coach Dutchbond, is this where Baker really steps up and breaks out on his own? One would hope. You would have to think that, yes. This might be, unfortunately. I'm not wishing injury on anybody. No. But for Baker now, all eyes are going to be on him. He does have a sustainable running game going, led by Kareem Hunt, because Nick Chubb, yeah. I believe, is not out for the season, but they ha- he's not expected back. He's ever. not coming through the doors anytime soon. Right. And for his wide receiver core, this might give him one of those uh, receiver-by-committee deals. Yeah. Now, obviously, Jarvis Landry is Jarvis Landry, but you know him. He's not exactly a number one. But he will definitely take over some games if he has to. He'll get you those you know, hard third downs that you definitely need. Mm-hmm. And if you can get some more productivity out of David Njoku, who I didn't even realize was still on the roster until I saw him catch a touchdown, this is going to be something for Cleveland moving forward is going to be the real testament of are they real or are they not. I think this is a good win against a division rival, but I'm not really sold about are they real playoff contenders no. just yet. I know they got the Raiders next week, mm-hmm. and we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens there. But for Cleveland, now there can't be any excuses. What team are you going to get moving forward? Sure, you can beat up some of the division teams you know, that are lesser than you yep. or some of the weaker teams that are in your conference. But now you're going to start facing tougher competition as it's moving forward. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get ran off the field or are you not? That's the question we got to so ask. I'm looking them. at week 13 and 14 where they play Tennessee and Baltimore back-to-back. That's going to be your benchmark Yo. for those guys. So that being said, Coach, Final word on this week of the NFL. I mean, I think if I can just take a moment uh, to uh, vent and, and cry about my tough break of a loss in fantasy, uh, I would really appreciate it, guys, because I could use a shoulder to cry on. I was down 40 points going into the 4 o'clock games. Uh, Justin Herbert carried my team on his back mm-hmm. as well as his own team. So thank you, Justin, for the service that you did for not only the Chargers but – make Tom Brady great again. Um, without you, I don't know if we would have ever gotten back into it. Oh, and also Todd Gurley for falling into the end zone when you were trying to land on the one-yard line. That also helped a little bit too. Um, that tough loss, I ended, uh, I had go, going into that Arizona-Seattle game up 20 after being down 40. or I was up 30, I'm sorry, after being down 40. Uh, all I needed was Kyler Murray to not go crazy. That's all I needed. I was also going against uh, Kenny uh, Drake and um, Robert Woods, but I wasn't worried about Woods because the Rams are a roller coaster. So here I am thinking, all right, I go to bed at like 10.30, and Drake comes back from halftime out. So I'm like, okay, all Seattle needs to do for me is just contain Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Hold him. He can get 20, 25 points. That's fine. That's two, three touchdowns and, you know, two 100, 250 in passing yards. 
I'm cool with that. I wake up to four touchdowns, 300 and like 30 yards, and I cried. And then it was done. I, I lost by three. I had nobody left, and I lost by three. So painful. How absolutely wild was that Seattle-Arizona game? That was bonkers. But if I can praise myself real quick, not being the draft guru, I'm just an average guy. <laughs> Who said DK Metcalf is an absolute man-child? This guy said that. I said it. I said DK Metcalf is a man-child, and he ran like a cheetah down the field. 22 miles per hour, right? Yeah. 22, the yeah. fastest in the 20, NFL? 22 and change, yeah. Dude caught somebody from 15 yards difference. Yeah. Oh, and a corner, not a linebacker, not a defensive end, not a defensive lineman, a corner. And you should look up the video. He was uh, the, the Cardinals player was mic'd up. Yeah, Buda Baker. Buda Baker was mic'd up on that play, and he get he he, he doesn't Dude, it's he, nuts. He doesn't say anything during the play, but he, after the game, he goes, "Yo, how the fuck did he catch up to me?" <sighs> I'll tell you how. He shot out of the cannon. Hey, and guess, who, and guess who's got Metcalf and Russell Wilson on the same well, fantasy team? This guy. I don't think that tackle counted at all, but no, you know. <laughs> no, but it's a pretty it good, cool. It's a pretty good tandem to have yeah. on your fantasy team. Yeah, this was a really big, 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 big win for Arizona, and like it I, was, like I say, the fact that they bounced back and could hang with Seattle is a real benchmark of are they the real deal? And I think especially in a very competitive NFC West, they really stood out. Mm -hmm. Especially we're talking about kicker woes. Their kicker missed the game-winning field goal in overtime. Russell Wilson had the chance. They had a call back that 48-yard touchdown to Metcalf. Sure. And then the next pass was an interception. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we had all said that Seattle's defense is suspect at best. Mm. You know, the Boom 2.0 or Boom Squad or whatever, 2.0 that we thought, uh, Legion of Boom, that we thought was going to be there is not. And uh, this is going to be a problem for Seattle and our Super Bowl prediction, fellas. Let's not forget that. We all have Seattle. Yeah, Uh, true. Hey, guys, get that shit together on the defensive end because, uh, you know, we don't have anything riding on you, but it would be really cool bragging rights. Yes, I have facts, all facts on this. Mm-hmm. So Seattle, like I said, got a little work to do, but you know what? This was a, such a big moment for Arizona. We, yeah. I, I, I can't take away from this. Like Kyle Murray had his coming out party, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had played well. I, th- I mean, I would say his coming out party was that game against the Giants when he absolutely decimated them in the rain in Giants Stadium because that really stood out to me as like, oh, shit, he is the real deal. I No, I think that one was a definite moment, too, but this one just stands out because maybe it's the primetime moment. Sure. And obviously Seattle been on such a roll going into oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And obviously the Metcalf uh, tackle, <laughs> I mean, that's the highlight of the year right now. I don't Pretty think much. I, I don't think anything can come near it. I think the fact that the Cardinals hung in there and really showed some heart. I mean, that's the takeaway that I think if you're a Cardinals fan, you got to be super excited about. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is Cliff King- Kingsbury being in his first real, you know, game of uh, a division game, you know, at home and being able to outduel, you know, Pete Carroll, I think is the biggest thing I would take away as an Arizona fan. Not mm-hmm. only Kyler Murray's performance, but just the fact that, you know, you had a um, uh, – Kingsbury here, who not a lot of people were sold on, you know, a lot of, oh, my God, is he going to be able to run an NFL offense or whatever? And, you know, he comes in and one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he's step for step, blow for blow. He's yep. right with him. Nah, definite yeah. facts on that. Pad? Uh, to talk about the Patriots a little bit, just real quickly, fix your fucking shit. 
I would not want to be in that locker room or that facility the next couple of days because Belichick is going to be something fierce. Mm-hmm. He's going to be real pissed. They had absolutely jack all going, even going so far as to bench Cam Newton for Jared Stedham for part of the game. Nothing going on the run game and going in the run game. Damian Harris, ten carries, fifty eight yards. Passing game had jack all going on. Like I'm not expecting him to make the playoffs at this point, but Jesus H Christ, fix your shit. Hey. Get Cam some help. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe and, there's... And, th- and this was with the offensive line being the most intact it's been since, like, week two. You know, may- maybe there's a maybe there is a reason why Tom wasn't looking forward to come back, and that's because James Blackberry, I don't even know, is your wide receiver. I mean, get the dude somebody. I'll say their leading receiver was Jacoby Myers, four catches, 60 yards. Woohoo! Yeah. J- uh, Rex Burkhead, who's a running back. Was second with thirty three catches, thirty five yards. Julian That's brutal. Julian Edelman not having a, his normal year, only one catch for thirteen yards. Yeah, I think for the Patriots, obviously, we knew it was going to be a transition year, and I think a lot of people are expecting them that they should have been running away with the division. And I think it's some growing pains, obviously, with Cam Newton, that him coming back, and especially this was brought up on I want to say first take today. Mm-hmm. That since he was uh, under COVID protocol, and is he still feeling the effects of sure. coming, coming yeah, off COVID? Maybe. I mean, we don't know, and I mean, I'm obviously not going to try playing doctor on here, but that could be a factor in this as well. That for the Patriots, this is something that they got to figure out, and they got to figure out quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I may, I mean, what I see is obviously people figured out, you know, how Josh McDaniel is going to operate with him. You know, I mean, from week one to week yeah. two to week three, yeah. you know, teams, you know, made adjustments and got prepared for that because let's not forget, we didn't have preseason. Right. So there was no tape to see how McDaniels was going to uh, conduct his business with a new quarterback, you know, a mobile quarterback. Obviously, you could go back and watch the, the Tim Tebow tapes, but that wasn't necessarily going to be exact. You know, Cam Newton obviously has a better arm than Tim mm-hmm. uh, and, and more accurate. So, you know, you can't just rely on that. But, you know, that would have helped. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing is, is just there's no skilled players. I mean, no. Julian Edelman is nice, but like outside of, you know, a five to 10 yard in route, you yeah. know, he's not. He's not stretching the field. No. You know, so teams are able to stuff the box, able to stop the run now, and there's nothing on the outside to worry about. I mean, listen, there are teams right now that are willing to move pieces. I'm saying the Patriots got salary cap space. And if I'm – I mean, I don't see why not in this divisional race, why not go out and add yourself a piece like Buffalo did. They need to. And if you got to shell out a first pick, that's what you got to shell out. I mean, Mm -hmm. Julio Jones, I I 1,000% think – has to be available. You got to think that um, uh, maybe not Miami with Devon with uh, Parker would probably be willing to make that move because of in division rivals. But you know you got to think that there are number one wide receivers out there who are available. They've yeah. got they've currently got about a little over twenty three million dollars in cap space. They need to go out and get somebody. Julian Edelman is nice for those over the middle routes and those you know dink and dunks, but. They have nothing else. Jacoby Myers is nice, but I'm not exactly going to be leaning on him come crunch time. I know they drafted Nikhil Harry, and yeah, last year he was injured for part of the year. So, oh, let's see what you know happens with this year. Ain't nothing panning out with him. You know, Will Fuller in Houston, even though the injuries are there. I mean, Brand Cooks reuniting yeah. with Brand Cooks yeah. might be an idea. He's played well they as of need late. To, they need, yeah, they just somebody. need something. I mean, when you look at the teams that are are of the upper echelon, you know, outside of really like Tennessee, what what's the common theme here? Mm-hmm. Star wide receivers, mm-hmm. yeah. Number one, go get go get me the ball and get me a first down. Those type of wide receivers, and they they don't have it. 
No, they definitely don't. So moving forward, like they got to figure something out and got to figure out something quick. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if they're going to be able to find something that can carry them maybe into that playoff spot. Well, they got two weeks to figure it out because trade deadline's November th- 6th, 7th. Even if even if it's like not to f- fix them up for the year, plan forward. Yeah, you know, don't wait till the off season. Get somebody in there now. Get them locked up. Good deal. You know, because obviously they've never been huge spenders. Well, that but that's the other problem is too is what are they? What are you doing right now? You know, yeah. Cam's on a one year deal. You yeah. know, Stidham obviously to me is not the guy. Nope. Mm. You know, and Brian Hoyer is not going to be back next year. So it's like you know, all right, if this is a holdover for next year. What are you doing? You know, I mean, what are are you going to try and go after a quarterback? Like, what are you going to try and do? Like, you gotta you gotta find you have to have some sort of divisive plan. I mean, Bill Belichick and his defense is not going to be able to do it alone. No, well, and they'll have some room to work with uh, in terms of the teams with the most projected NFL salary cap space in twenty twenty one, and this is including carryover. Patriots are fourth. Uh, Jaguars have seventy five million in cap space. Jets have seventy two point seven million in cap space. Colts have sixty six point five. Patriots have sixty two point six million million dollars in cap space yeah i mean i know that they found tom brady in the sixth round and you would love to think that they would try and do that again but i mean just this past draft i mean jordan love was available mm-hmm. you know they i mean they could have gotten him there was another quarterback who felt you know jalen hurts who everybody thought was going to land in the patriots yeah you know was available too i mean there was guys in this draft that that were available and they just didn't pursue yeah it just doesn't. It doesn't feel like there's a plan, which is very odd for New England. But there's always a plan. Like that, they're the master of disguise. That's why I say I don't rule Belichick pulling something. Well, say off. how many times have they had a backup and everyone going, "Oh, this is the heir apparent to Brady," and then they get shipped off and they fizzle out. Yeah. So it, I like I, as much as I hate Ryan to Mallet say this, comes to mind. I you gotta trust the process with them, and that's the that's the scary thing because that organization is ran too too well. Well, I mean, outside of the top two quarterback, I mean, if this is what they're thinking, if they're gonna pursue the draft, I mean, outside of the top two, I mean, there's decent, but I don't think there's any really nice pieces. No. I mean, and listen, I'm this is coming from a Notre Dame guy who uh, loves Ian Book, but I mean, he's just not a guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the North Dakota guy that everybody's so hung up on, I don't see it. You know, he's not Carson Wentz 2.0. No. Or, or uh, you know, Josh, uh, Allen. Josh Allen 2 uh, 3.0. He's, I see I see very average at best. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Outside of that, I really don't know what you're going to get with the, with any, if any quarterbacks come out in this class. Let's not forget, they got a free year. Yeah. So guys might return. We don't know. It's a weird place they're going to have to be in. So for the Patriots to make a quarterback move, who knows? I think they got a lot more woes to tidy up first mm-hmm. before they have to worry about that. Oh, I saw Gilmore. Did you see this news? No. There is rumors that the uh, Patriots are looking to move on from Gilmore. Jesus Christ. Don't give Pat a heart attack like that. I know. I know. I saw the headline. I forgot to uh, screenshot it, but my jaw dropped. I mean, I think that might be a little premature. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm not really putting a little too much stock into that. But we'll have to wait and see. Like I say, there's just so much uncertainty with the Patriots, and that's so weird to say. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something that we have to get used to in this post-Brady era that we'll kind of have to wait and see how it plans out. Very quickly, though, I want to touch upon two other games. Tampa Bay, 45 over the Raiders by 20. Everybody's saying Brady is back. I'm not really putting a lot of stock into it right now. I'm sorry. I think that he's had a couple good stretch runs against teams that have very lackluster defenses because I don't think the Raiders have a great defense. I know the Packers don't. But to see him against like a, t- a tougher defense such as the Chicago Bears mm-hmm. where they wound up getting the loss to and the Chargers who scrap with everybody and you never know what team you're going to get out of them each week. I want to say I will officially crown him that he's back if he can go win 
three out of the next four. <laughs> Let's see if uh, he can go in New York and beat the Giants. Well, Baby. I say, he's got the Giants next week. He's got the Saints at home the following week. Carolina, then the Rams, then Kansas City. So let's see how he pulls off here. Then I'll say I'll be willing to crown him. But as of right now, I think he's done well to lead the team back. But moving forward, I'm not really willing to say that Brady is the Brady of old just yet. He's had a couple great games, don't get me wrong, but I'm challenging him on that one. And lastly, got to mention about in Washington, obviously they put the whooping on Dallas. God, yeah, they did. And obviously Andy Dalton took an unfortunate uh, concussion shot that he's out now. There's a lot of questions about the leadership now in Dallas. has been buzzing around. I guess Jerry Jones made a radio appearance this morning and trying to defend saying there wasn't a leadership issue. I beg to differ, but that's just my opinion. Told the radio host to shut up. Yeah, it was kind of a very messy situation and seeing how that team is imploding. Really don't know what's going to happen there. If you want to talk about issues with quarterbacks, Dallas is definitely one there. I mean, I think there's a guy in the AFC East who uh, should be getting a phone call. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's magic. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't I don't see why you don't. No, you, you have know, to I mean, I, I don't understand – but they just they did just trade Everson uh, Everson Griffin, mm-hmm. which or Griffith, which to me is you know a seller's move because yeah. I mean he was one of your defense better defensive ends on an already bad defensive team. So maybe Dallas is sellers right now. I don't know. It's a weird state to be involved in there. And like I said, they are very very polarizing on what they're doing because I truly don't know. And hearing Jerry Jones trying to put the spin on it this morning was just weird. I think the funniest thing is is that people thought Mike McCarthy was going to come in and change, and he's the same Mike McCarthy that he was before, and this team is no different than when Jason Garrett ran it. I'll be honest. I thought, <laughs> they, were, I thought they were going to play better for him. I really did because I thought that he has more of an offensive mind that he would definitely have implemented a different style than Garrett, and I thought they would have definitely prospered. But I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll admit that right here. Even pre and post, you know, uh, Prescott going down, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been used as – the exact same way, mm-hmm. um, which is not <laughs> efficiently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Amari Cooper and, you know, Gallup has seen production go down now. I mean, obviously, C.D. Lamb has came in and taken a few of those. But, I mean, at the same time, it's not, you know, and C.D. Lamb has not produced the last couple games. Outside that Giants game, really, what has C.D. Lamb done? So, I mean, yeah. yeah, there's big, big, big issues in the Big D. Yes. So, they're going to have to do a lot of work. But let me end this on a happy note. After the game on Monday, Washington coach Ron Rivera had his last cancer treatment. Hey. Yes. So, obviously, congratulations, congratulations to him. Uh, nothing but well wishes from us here at the panel about that. I know he's got some more follow-ups to happen, but he, he had his last round of chemotherapy. Also, it goes without saying, fuck cancer. Fuck cancer, indeed. Enough said there. So let us know what you thought, though, of this past week's NFL action. What was your takeaways from the games? Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. My name is JT. What's up, everyone? I'm Darren. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Josh. Hey, guys. I'm Christian. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dominic, and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. 
You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. To go back and to see the way things really used to be, not knowing we were a member them. To go back and to see the way things really used to be, not knowing we Hey, this is Mike C from Horror Zone 607, and you're listening to the ODPH, the most killer podcast on the Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And now it's time to talk UFC 254. Mm-hmm. This past weekend, if you caught on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast, and you should have, the panel was there with Rich from 3FN, Chris Curtis Gaming, Liz Bailey, all watching the big fight going down from Fight Island. And the main event definitely lived up to the billing. Mm-hmm. And it caused some storylines. So we are going to touch upon that in just a second, but we do want to touch a little bit on the co-main event. Yeah. Now, that was Jared Cognier versus Robert Whitaker In the middleweight division. Yes. And Pad? Uh, Robert Whitaker defeated Jared by unanimous decision. And I always say on the show, every time I go against Robert Whitaker, he proves me wrong. And this time was no different. He definitely implemented his will. He caught Cognier with a uh, head kick, mm. if I'm not mistaken, that threw his equilibrium off. And then I thought he was going to get finished. But Kanye definitely held out the round. Uh, didn't kind of seem right after that, but Whitaker did what he does. I mean, he fights very deceptively. He fights very technical. And now he's got a match uh, with Israel Adesanya at some point to be named. Mm-hmm. But now we go to the main event. And let me give a little backstory about this one. We do know it is going to be Habib versus Justin Gaethje, the big fight to see who is the premier lightweight in the UFC and technically in all of MMA. Mm-hmm. Previously to this fight, since during the pay-per-view coverage, they were showing a lot of Habib leaving the hotel with a motorcade. Yeah. They were trying to give it like that extra big fight feel. Mm-hmm. And we really didn't know what was going on with that. We figured they are just filling time. Yeah, because normally in the past they've shown fights from the prelims or even the early prelims to kill time. But, I mean, I'm just looking at the uh, early prelims. One fight went five minutes. Another one went three. And then in the prelims, nothing. the shortest fight in the prelims was a fight that went uh, four minutes and 40 seconds into the first round. Yeah, so this was kind of just weird to see. That they were really just stretching, but we're like, okay, maybe they're trying to do this because Habib, obviously being 28-0 at this time, is obviously warranted that. I mean, obviously he has been a dominant champion since he's won, very polarizing with a lot of fans. Mm -hmm. To flip the coin, Justin Gaethje has definitely worked his way up through the ranks, coming over from the World Series of Fighting, to getting the title shot after dismantling Tony Ferguson in one of the worst beatings I've ever seen in an MMA fight. That was an ass-whooping. Yeah, to put it mildly. And then we get to the fight. So finally we get it. It goes down. Pad, how did it all come about? Yeah, so, uh, you ha- of course, as we mentioned, you had Habib defending his lightweight title against uh, Justin Gaethje, who was the interim champion, although don't call him that. No, he threw the belt down when he got the interim title. Multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Habib ended up defeating Gaethje uh, in 1 minute and 34 seconds into the second round with a triangle choke submission. That's right. I was right. I was like, uh, yeah, for, yeah. since we don't have a camera here, yeah. Co- Coach was doing the uh, Hulk Hogan That's you right. know, uh, here thing. I got it right. It's true. Khabib, 
I knew was going to go out and put a performance on. This is the this was his Brett Favre moment, you know, mm-hmm. a la when his father passed away. Yep. The next moment, you know, the next game yep. against Oakland goes on and just throws the four, ball four, all over the place. Four touchdowns and a half, and whatever it was. The craziest thing that I heard about this fight was, I mean, I'm going to be real. I was watching the Notre Dame game. Priorities for me is Notre Dame. Yeah, you we know, mentioned playing, that in stream. Yeah, playing Pitt. You know, was Did it, we uh, mention that? I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, a little <laughs> chirp here and there, but Notre Dame put a shellacking on Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, so <laughs> I was two for two that day. Uh, but anyway, I was watching that, but uh, I heard DC talk about the fight, you know, Daniel Comier, and he said that after the fight, he talked to Khabib and apparently Khabib was going for the arm bar, but had heard all week Gaethje was not going to tap out all week. I wouldn't yeah. tap. I won't tap. So instead of going for the arm bar, thinking that he was going to hurt Gaethje in front of his parents, he decided to go for the triangle choke because that way he wouldn't have to force him to tap out. He would just make him pass out, and then he would get up and be okay. To mention on top of that, that was Khabib's dad's favorite submission. Mm. To go from to transition from an arm bar to a triangle choke was his dad's favorite little one too, mm. and he did that in honor of him. So when we talk about the greatest of all time in the UFC, and this is difficult to say as a Conor guy, I mean, to be able to say, okay, I'm going to transition from an arm bar to go to a triangle choke, which is one of the hardest submissions in all of MMA, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, no, you're God back. damn, you know, I mean, that's kudos to him. Well, to break this down, too, the first round, Habib did not seem like Habib. Like, no. I, know you, I know you didn't see the fight. Sure. Well, why didn't Habib look like Habib? He looked frustrated. Very more, frustrated. More than anything. Gaethje, I, I know I said on the stream, I thought Gaethje was employing the tactic of running away of sorts, but not running away, oh, shit, I'm scared. It looked running away in the I'm trying to tire you out because Habib was throwing a lot of punches. He was you know, moving a lot. He's pressing forward, pressing forward. And Gaethje's engaging with him, but he's you know, one-two punch, back off. Well, I was hitting at Khabib's broken foot. That, well, that he had too. That was a, well, that was, we didn't know about that yeah. until after the fight, right? Yeah, that was just something we never knew about going into this. Habib had been very quiet about anything previously to the fight. I mean, I know he's been doing the media circuit, and everybody's talking about him against GSP if he had win uh, against G- Gaethje. But this was a very interesting round to see because Gaethje was stuffing the takedowns and keeping mm-hmm. Habib off it, and you could see in Khabib's face, which I have not seen this in him before. Yeah. You could see the frustration he that he like, couldn't get the takedown. Sure, he, he was throwing some punches he wouldn't normally throw, and even punches that had no real substance to him. It's just he threw a punch. No, I, yeah, he, right. was, he was like throwing like a weird overhand right that was like nowhere near hitting. And it was something that I think that once he figured out what Gaethje was doing, because Gaethje was trying to tire him out, which was a smart game plan, Yeah, because he, he'd stick and move. Once Khabib could figure out when he could get him and try getting a takedown, then that's when he knew he could say, okay, I might be able to get him. Like, he mm-hmm. definitely had that vibe to this. The so second round, once he finally got the takedown, and he went for that arm quick, and then he flipped it to a triangle, it was a kind of an odd finish because yeah. Gaethje was in the triangle, and he was on standing up, and he was trying to do a slam. He had nothing on it because the, no. the choke was in so deep. Yeah. And then it looked like we thought he was trying to hit Habib. That's what it looked like. But he was actually a tap. It was tapping out. Ah. And then he just went out cold. Like, he went limp. And we yeah, were all like, yeah. We, and dog, I, dog, I think, was the first yeah, person. Yeah, Dog was there, too. He was he was the first person to point it out. He goes, it's over. I go, wait, what? Yeah. Because yeah. it looked like he, like, it looked, you know, it looked like he's just hitting him in the back of the head trying to hit him. And I'm like, what the hell is he doing? And then the ref's waving it off. And we're like, holy shit, it's over. Yeah, it was absolutely wild to no, see. No, he was night-night. 
Yeah. He, he was night well, night. Well, he was night night, and then so Habib lets him go. He slumps over, and there was a real quick shot of you could see Gaethje's face, and it was just a blank stare. He, he wasn't out. He was out, out, out. Yeah, like he yeah. was like just. He was taking a nap. Yeah, he was complete deep slumber. And to see Habib then immediately broke down like Jordan did uh-huh. when he won the championship after sure. his father passed. Just to see that emotion pour out of him. Well, just because you, you know how closed and, and kind of closeted Habib is as a person. He's not He doesn't share a lot. He is not very vocal. He doesn't, you know, post on social media about what his family's doing and what he's, you know, about being at the beach someplace or what have you. So, he and I imagine just in prep for the fight, just because that's how he is as a person, he separated his his home life and his personal life from his work life. Yeah. And it became all 100% work so that he didn't have time from the time his father passed away due to complications from COVID-19 to now to really process everything. Yeah. That, he, you know, just the gravity. and Because he said in the post-fight speech that, you know, when the UFC approached him about fighting Justin Gaethje, he didn't immediately say, yeah, I'll take the fight. He spoke with his mother for three days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, his dad was always, his dad was his corner guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, I mean, talk about a guy who trained him, you know, and was obviously every step of the way knowing the ins and outs. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, not similar to Jordan or, or Favre, but, you know, of that caliber of a relationship, I mean, it's no, you know, it's his coach. Yeah. No, and absolutely. his father, you know, father first, coach second. So you're talking about losing two you know, uh, important characters in your life when you talk about the fact that, you know, your father is your coach. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, the difficulties that is, yeah. you know, fuck. Yeah. So, obviously, you saw the pouring of emotion. Like I said, the only thing I could compare it to is when Jordan won the championship right mm-hmm. after his father sure. passed. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, I mean, he broke it's exactly, That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they showed uh, ESPN or, or Bleacher Report posted a, a side-by-side yeah. of yeah. the two of them on the ground. So exactly and yeah, exactly what it was. And to see that he got up at the end and he gave the story about it. He spoke to his mother and said, you know, I'm doing one more fight because I promised I was going to do this. Yeah. I'm done after that. He took his gloves off, left them in the ring, put over Justin Gaethje, and you know, and, you know, and that's good business. You know, putting on, <laughs> you know, doing the Undertaker exit. And I gotta, yeah. look, I gotta pull it up. But I, I saw what Justin Gaethje said to oh, him. I call him. He's like, you fucking monster. No, like, no, he, no. But he meant in a nice way. Like we gave him the uh, hug after. I gotta look up when what. But he's he uh, Gaethje's put out what he said to to Habib in the fight. I gotta look. Uh, yeah, once it was, I gotta look it up. Yeah, he gave him a big hug though, and that's where I said you called him. And he's like, you fucking monster. And he was just like, he was so happy that you know. This was a fight that was really a challenge. And for Habib, after this, there was really nobody else left. So no. when, he, when he put the gloves in the ring and let them go, and obviously he's, he's you know had a very touching retirement speech because he said, I'm done after this. And for anybody that was trying to say he's going to come back, no. Like, listen. No, he this dude is not that guy. Yeah, he, you know? exactly. He is not that guy. This he, is the dude that you know his religion came first in the UFC had to change their priorities in order to get him to fight. So it, if it, he says he's done, yeah, he's, dude is done. He's done. It's, yeah. a, it's a wrap. And rightfully so, because this was the fight that, I mean, after this, there's only a couple that I realistically thought they could do. Well, it was all money yeah. after that. You know, I mean, there yeah. wasn't anybody in the division coming up. There wasn't, I mean, to see him move up, I don't necessarily know would have been the, the move either. Yeah. Because, I mean... His style lends to his weight class, which is what he's been his whole life. Yeah. So that would have been difficult to see. And, um, you know, I, yeah, it just it would have been money. That, that would have been the move. It definitely would have been. So going off of that, the MMA world gave their – was know, a fire. Well, yeah. <laughs> gave, yeah it, didn't gave, take, it didn't take long. Gave their thoughts about it. Obviously, a lot of high praise, and rightfully so for Habib. But there was a couple of tweets that stuck out that I yeah. definitely want to – 
talk about. Yeah. Sure. Now, one was by Conor McGregor. Okay. Now, Conor definitely had a lot of nice things to say. Albeit, though, he did throw in the line, I will carry on, which I was kind of like, now is not the time to really add yourself into this equation. Well, I mean, I think, obviously, he sees a door open. And, yeah. I mean, let's face it, could Conor have beaten Habib, you know, as a Conor guy? Probably not. Um, you know, I mean, Habib style did not lend itself to fit, you know, Connor's weaknesses. And you, you saw that in the first fight. Now, I mean, obviously a puncher's, uh, puncher's always got a shot. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, you know, if Habib got him to the ground, Connor wasn't getting up and that was already tried and true. Just, yeah. Just, so, uh, just real quick, I found the quote from, from what Justin Gaethje told Habib, uh, in the octagon. He said, quote, I haven't had the chance to tell you, but I'm so sorry for your loss. You just made your father really proud. Close quote. Nice. Class yeah. act. All yeah. 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 Was. So, I mean, th- so that the Connor comment, yeah, is, is, you know, now he sees, well, yeah, it's weird, but now he sees, oh, there's a, there's a vacancy in this title that I can now lay claim to. Cause I think him and, uh, Gaethje, you know, in the octagon would be a draw. Mm-hmm. I think him and Ferguson in the octagon would be a draw. Yeah. No, I agree. There's a lot of different ways you can go with this. Pat, do you want to? Uh, no, yeah. Anything? I mean, the Connor comment was weird. I, I fully expected him to say something, but just the whole I will carry on thing was like, carry on what? He he whooped your ass, you know, handedly, leaving no question as to whether there should be a second fight or not. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, it was kind of just a very puzzling comment. But that wasn't the big one that I, that really kind of took me aback a little bit. Mm-hmm. John Jones yeah. decided to get on social media and make the comment about how Habib was not the GOAT. Mm. And I was really puzzling the timing of this. Like he, Which, let me bring up to the panel about this. Okay. So John has a very long uh, video post. I'm not sure if it's off his Instagram or whatever. ESPN MMA has been sharing it amongst other sites. And he is breaking down about his 15 world titles compared to Habib's four. And then by that math, he must be counting every time he wins and retains his belt. Yes. So with this whole argument, does John have a point? No. I mean... Of course he does. You can't say that he doesn't. You know, the dude was, I mean, he cleared out the division before clearing out the division was a thing. You know, I mean, he swept the entire light heavyweights and only had one, you know, potential false step with uh, Reyes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was his hiccup, was Reyes. Um, I, I, I mean, he has a right to lay claim to being the GOAT. I just think that, you know, it's just it's in MMA. It's like difficult to be like, all right, yeah, Khabib's the goat because he did it on a different level than John. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Habib was so dominant and so strong that he just implemented his will on you. Meanwhile, John does it in a way of, I'm going to dissect you, I'm going to expose you, and then I'm going to beat you. You know, but as of late, John's fights haven't been the same. You know, he hasn't been the same fighter. So I think both dominant, just on different levels. Uh, John's dominant, and John is one of the best fighters of all time. Let's you know, not get it twisted. But I don't think you can count title defenses, you know, as oh, I'm a 15 time champion. No, slow your fucking roll. If we went by that math, Ric Flair would be about 102 time champion. You know, so I don't think you can really. Yeah, John was a dominant champion for a very long time, but Habib has just been so far and above a more dominant fighter. You know, 28, 29 and 0, never lost a fight. Arguably only lost maybe one round in his entire professional MMA career, at least with the UFC. Mm-hmm. Never had any fights in doubt whether he would win or not. 
once it came down to it. Whereas with John, there's been times where there's been some doubt. There's an, oh, this might be it. This might be the one. Whereas with Habib, it's always been, yeah, he's going to run through this dude. It's a very good argument. I will say that because I can see both sides. I think that John has a has a very good claim. Sure. Mm-hmm. That I think that had it not been for his outside the cage bullshit. issues. Yeah, know, I mean, John, John, did, John did himself in. Yeah, John did himself in a lot of cases too. Plus, if you look, I mean, you he definitely won a lot by decision with mm-hmm. uh, most notably Reyes yep. and Tiago Santos and even that first Gustafson fight. Evans is another one too. So it's not like it was the same way that Habib got his undefeated streak. Sure. Habib has mostly finished everybody he's faced. I don't have his uh, fight card in front of me, Pat. I think you got it up. I can pull it up. So that being said, I mean, you can kind of go back and forth of when he won the title to how he defended it. But if you're if you're going to base it off that, I mean, it's it's just a very tough argument to make. I That's mean, why I said they yeah. both did it just on different levels. Right, right. No, no. I, mean, yeah. I agree with you. It's just it's very tough. And the one issue I have with this is just the timing. Mm-hmm. That I that's just, John's style. That, yeah, that's yeah. John. I mean, listen. Right after the Adesanya fight, what was the first thing he did? Oh yeah, he jumped in there and, and did it. And I thought, but I thought it was like, okay, Adesanya is more of a rival. I think this one was maybe based more because Daniel Cormier. Is no, it was cattiness. Yeah, it, it was one thousand percent petty. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just the fact, okay, you can you can throw a tweet out there. Sure, I get you, and you know I understand that that's what you did. But on the same token, the next day is when the Instagram post came out. Yeah, and he went that whole breakdown of like anybody that's saying Habib's the goat, you need to back off. I'm the goat. Well, I'd and, say the pound for pound rankings say otherwise. Well, yeah. I think the problem. And Jamal John commented on that today and mm. said that this is the most rickety shit he's ever seen. I mean, here's the problem: if he stays silent, then this just kind of goes and gets swept under the rug, and then he brings it up a week later, and then everybody's like, "What is this coming from?" So, if he was going to interact with this, it had to be now. It's just the timing of it. Yeah, it looks yeah. terrible because here we have a man who you know literally left his gloves in the octagon. Poured his heart out. Poured his heart. You know, told this personal story of talking to his mom for three straight days, mulling over the uh, whether the you know the notion of fighting would be respectful to his father and his legacy. Mm. Goes into the octagon, puts in a performance of a lifetime on a broken foot, submits a dude in a way that you know was dedicated basically to his dad, and retires. And now, you know, he's being talked of as the great. I mean, he's 30 and 0. Yeah. He's 29. 29. He's earned it. You can't say that he hasn't. So it's like, you know, at the same time, it's like, John, shut the fuck up. I, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't have minded yeah. John saying this if, like you said, it had been the next day or a couple of days later. The fact that it was within the next 30 minutes after the fight was over. I don't even think they were done with the post-fight stuff yeah. on, on the pay-per-view. No, they he, weren't. And he's already going... Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm the goat. Uh, once I get for that, once I get the heavyweight, uh, don't forget my name. Don't once I'm gonna, me. once I get the heavyweight championship belt, you know, because that was one thing I saw. He even, cr- you know, cried foul about was, oh, I'm just gonna call, I'm just gonna ask if, ask if I can fight for the heavyweight championship belt since that's apparently what you can do these days. Well, yeah, because somebody else at, asked for a title fight and they got gra- they got granted. Yeah, right? it, is that what that was coming from? Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously the UFC the rankings don't mean shit. Does a lot when it when it comes to fighting and and calling out shots and such. And it is what it is. I, I think it was more so geared towards like um, who wanted to fight Kamaru Usman. Oh, okay. And how, how Gilbert Burns basically called the shot, and he was the only one that was willing to show up and do it. So yeah. that's how he got it granted originally, if memory serves me right. But I think it's just one of those situations where for John, 
you vacated your belt. You're in limbo right now. Right. You've talked about anybody that is close to being in your weight class per se, whether it's having Adesanya jump up to 205, whether it's fighting Blahovitz to get your belt back after you just vacated it, or to fight Stipe Miocic. I, th- I think John's biggest thing is he just can't deal with people being talked about more or, or thought of better than he is. Yeah, it's ego. It's no, all. He's, it's got, all. he's, he's yeah. got a huge ego. Now, the only person I don't think he's ever done it with because there's no way they'd ever fight each other is Connor. Right. No, nah, they he, tripped a little bit, though, too. He, they've gone back and forth. But, yeah. you know, John's never said ill about Connor, and Connor's never said ill about John. But you look at anybody else who was the big name at the time, you know, Cormier, Stipe, you know, uh, Habib, you know, you name it. He's gone after them and he because he just cannot deal with him not being the talker, the biggest dog in dog in the kennel. Yeah, no, it's just it's weird to see. And especially for somebody on that level to really step down and try stealing a moment away. Yeah. I mean, that's not stepping down. That's well, just stepping laterally because we've seen. I mean, listen, I'm not we've talked about this and I'm going to say it now before it gets, you know, wild. We are not. The, the hater, like that 607 hater group. Like, you know, obviously we all support John and want nothing but success because yeah. obviously he's from our hometown and that's great that somebody was able to get up out of here and be as successful as he is. But at the same time, we all know his true character. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we all heard the stories. We all know the shit that he was doing around town. We all know it. So we know the true John. So when we saw John do all this stuff with the, you know, God first, family first, all this, you know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers. No, we knew that there was deep down the Hollywood Hulk Hogan behind him that was, uh-huh. you know, the NWO black and white who was doing all the bad shit. You know mm-hmm. I mean? so Yeah, we've heard the alleged story. Yeah, and I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it's just... It's just a step Every, left. Everybody has moments in their life, especially, yeah. especially when they're young, where they make some boneheaded mm. decisions. Christ knows I've made a few. And no, yeah. and, talk, and talk, talk to my parents. And mm. nobody's nobody's perfect. So, no. but at the same time, though, what he did was just a lateral step. This you, is just John being John. You learn, you learn, and you grow from it. And yeah. John hasn't grown from it. Yeah, like I said, we we we've heard a lot of alleged stories. So I yeah. mean, yeah. alleged stories around town. There's the, the shit in Arizona. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's that stuff too. Yeah, yeah, so no, yeah, no. we hear this shit here, and it's. It's all, you know, this might be true or that might not be true, but the shit in Arizona was public. Right. No, no. But yeah. saying the public stuff. Right, right, right. About, but I want, no, I, I want know. To clarify. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a, like, listen, I yeah. did my fair share of shit too. That's going to get me in trouble someday. I'm just saying like, I, and listen, I got daughters because of it. Karma, you know I mean? So I get it. But at the same time, it's like, like John, like just bite the bullet. Let's let, let's let Habib have his moment. And now let's get back to business. Well, all right. What I'm saying is if you're allegedly the GOAT to step down to address people to say you're not the GOAT, I think is is a very step down in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I'm just trying to stress with that. Yeah. But where I think that he's better off doing is, okay, plan your next fight. And then if you really want to start bringing up the GOAT conversation. How about you nut up or shut up and actually fucking fight? Exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that too. You can, add. <laughs> you can add as many goddamn characters, and I don't know how many tweets you can string together in a thread, but you can till, do it till your thumbs break off. I don't give a fuck what you say. Show the fuck up and fight. That's exactly. Really? Not, you, I mean, you know, that boils this down. Well, you, t- you, t- you take it away. When was his last fight? And uh, his it, last fight was in February. Right. right. So if you last fought in February... 
He has no fight lined up because he wasn't sure if he's going to light heavyweight yeah. or what, whatever the case and, is. And get a fucking knockout. I realize he knocked out, he technically knocked out Alexander Gustafson back in December of 2018. But before that, his last knockout was Chael Sonnen in 2013. Yeah. I mean, fucking knock somebody out. Don't do this lay and pray fucking wrestling bullshit. You want to be dominant? Go knock somebody the fuck out. I, I mean, I, I'm not worried so much about the that performance aspect of it because as long as you win, you win. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all right. If it's a split decision and an ugly or an ugly decision such as the Reyes fight, mm-hmm. that's t- that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. But when he's going in and literally dissecting people, and you know, I think the Rashad Evans fight literally is the. Uh, antithesis of that as a guy he took five rounds and was literally just doing it to toy with him yeah you know so I, I think there's that aspect of it but at the same time yeah it's you haven't fought in a year now almost going, I mean, on, going it, yeah. on it and you know your last fight wasn't a great performance and here you are calling out a guy who literally just put on arguably one of the best performances probably in the octagon we'll ever see one of the most storied careers the octagon will ever see and you don't have anything in front of you yeah wasn't a great performance, and let's not forget the one before Tiago Santos was a split decision win. Exactly. So to say that you're running away with everything and worried about the GOAT conversation, look, MMA fans will have the GOAT conversation to the end of time. That's true for any sport. I mean, it's basketball, it's baseball, it's it's football, it's it's everything's all the same. You know, everybody will have their different opinions on what they think defines a GOAT. I mean, and especially like we mentioned with John's last few fights, Anthony Smith came back and he won that fight. Gustafson, he knocked out. Cormier was a no contest that was overturned. Uh, Fought over in St. Peru in 2016. I think that was what his first fight back in a while. You know where he he looked rusty. So you got to argue his last couple fights haven't looked all that goat like. Exactly. I think that he should be more focused on what his future fight plans are going to be than trying to stay step in there and take away Habib's spotlight. Because now, I mean, the conversation is is out there now since he threw it there. I mean, who is the goat of MMA? I mean, let me throw it around the panel. I don't. I mean, I go for me. It's by weight class. I don't have one. I go by whoever, you know, who's the best. So John, to me, is the greatest light heavyweight of all time, and Khabib's the greatest lightweight, lightweight of all time, you a- know? Anderson Silva, just that entire 10-decade run where it got to the point that some people wanted that man to lose badly. Yeah. You know, obviously by in, in octagon methods, you know, but just to see that man lose and just as dominant as he was for a decade. And especially to see his last fight is coming up this Saturday against Uriah Hall, too. Yeah, you know, but for me, it's got to be Anderson Silva. You know, for me, it's a tough call. Sure. Because I agree with, like, I, I kind of side a little more with Coach about that, about who is because of the weight class. You take a look at, like, when Fedor was over in Pride. And right. Obviously, mm-hmm. we never saw him over here in the UFC because, you know, reasons. But then you also have to think about, okay, George St. Pierre, where does he rank in here? Oh, yeah. You have to say Anderson Silva is in that conversation. And you have to say Habib is there, too, and so is John. I mean, BJ Penn had an illustrious story. Yeah, he career, had a run there, too. Know? I mean,. There's a lot of fighters you can throw in that GOAT conversation. And I, I guess if I have to really focus on somebody, I guess I would say Anderson Silva too. Oh, I would right. I would say this because what Silva was able to do during that run, nobody was near him. The only thing I would ever argue is a blemish on that is they were talking that super fight with him and GSP for God knows yeah. how long, and they could never pull it off. The thing for me with the Anderson Silva run he was on was in the 17 fights he fought in the between losses, he got taken the distance twice. Yeah, and the and the two times he was screwing around too. 
Damian yep. Maya, Damian was, Maya one. was one. <laughs> yep. That was brutal. And then uh, Thales uh, Lades, uh, yeah, UFC yeah, 97. But Okay, but that one was because Lades dropped on his, if I'm not mistaken, he dropped on his back and tried having Silva jump in his guard. Right, yeah, he tried, yeah, the whole and, lay, he laid down on his back the whole time. Yeah, and Silva was like, get up, I'm not doing this. Yeah, yeah, so that's the only two times in that run Silva had that he was ever taking the distance. Yeah, but I mean, so that, you know, you look for that, but then you also have to have the, uh, you know, the longevity, you know, oh, which yeah. John yeah. has on his side, yeah. and who's you know, and, and uh, Khabib has on his side. So it's just like it, it's, it's so it, tough, you it, know. It's a tough call to make. No, I mean, there is no real right or wrong answer. It's just a matter of what, what you're it's looking personal for. Choice, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> if you want to talk about title defenses, yeah, I mean, John has to be in that equation. If you want to talk about streaks and and records, well, Habib is definitely in that. I mean, all right. it, it all depends on how you want to break it down schematically. So. For for John to get all wound up about this, I was just like, "This is so petty, and this is catty." I just I think it's a guy who right now knows that his career is in limbo, yeah. and he's you know looking at a time frame right now where he's on the other side of thirty, and Father Time's going to be pressing up against him, and he probably feels like he might have a run or two left in him before you know he, he ends up being be either being forced out or you know. Chuck Liddell, you know, Tito Ortiz style, you know. I mean, I, I think that that's a very real thing for John right now. It's a, it's a very tough call to make. So to quickly wrap this segment up, though, now the lightweight title has been vacated. Sure. Mm-hmm. What do you think it should be the fight or fights to crown a new champion? Tournament. I agree. I would love – I would. I mean, I am all for fucking tournaments. Yeah. I know it's difficult to do because, you know, the UFC loves to have the continuity with belts, you mm-hmm. know, by the fact that they named Gaethje an interim title just because Khabib was on suspension just for one fight. You know, I mean, that's all Gaethje had the title for, right? Yeah. It was one fight? Like, what's the point? So uh, I would love a tournament. I, I don't think it will happen, but I would love it. Because I know it's been heavily rumored, and I want to stress rumored, that when Conor McGregor fights Dustin Poirier, that's going to be for the belt. Hmm. It has not been made official. Ooh. That's been rumored that that is going to be the got case. Got a little uh, chubby in the old pants region there. I got a little excited, Ken. Yeah. Simmer down. Yeah, so nothing has been set in stone yet, but I believe it was Michael Chandler who just recently signed I, for the UFC throughout the tournament idea. I, I don't think that, that having that fight be the title fight is any way, shape, or form fair. No, it's not. I'm just saying. No, I, I agree with I, you. Had, I told my, I, uh, my wife and I talked about last night and i said that i think they should just put the strap back on gaethje they could but i think last guy to win the but, belt but i but I, I don't think he would take it like, no i don't you know, i don't think he would because either. knowing him i think he would say all right put me back in the tournament too and in fact this is how i break this down okay i think that you have ferguson face um michael chandler okay i think you have that fight i think you have gaethje fight dustin poirier I think Connor is going to stay up at 170. I think that that's where he's more comfortable at. Uh, I don't think so. So, but, but I think that you, if you want to take him out of the equation, then that's a fight you could set up. I know Nate Diaz is offered. He wants to get in on the action, too, for the lightweight title. <laughs> so you definitely have a lot of fights that's to make. That's a cut. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, he does fluctuate between 170 and 155. Right. But so, normally he walks heavy, doesn't he? Uh, like 185. Yeah. One, well, no, 190. I mean, it is a cut, but a cut. he's made it before. So. Yeah. That all being said, I mean, this is kind of up in the air, but I think a tournament would make the most sense. Yeah. I'd love to see it. I mean, you, you just have simple. You have the two – you pick four fighters, two of them fight uh, – two fights one night. One night, yeah. And then the next fight, when they're all cleared, you book the winner. Right. I think that makes the most Hell, sense. Hell, I would even book the loser. 
The losers could fight get each the number other one, too. Get, then the losers get the next title fight. Yeah, because... Because, I mean, that opens the door for, all right, if... Ga- you said what? Gaethje and... Gaethje and... Poirier? Poirier. So, all right, yep. Gaethje wins, Poirier loses, Poirier fights... Uh, uh, the loser of uh, uh, Ferguson and Chandler. Ferguson, so Ferguson loses. Now you got Gate. You got Poirier, Ferguson, yeah. and then all of a sudden Ferguson wins. Boom! Now you got Gaethje, Ferguson. You know, round two for the belt again, or you got Poirier versus for you know Gaethje. Yeah. Again. I mean, it books itself. That's why I'm wrestling tournaments are good. It books itself. Yeah. So no official word has been said yet. But obviously, looking at the legacy Habib is leaving behind, the UFC is going to have to figure out something, and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see who's going to be the king of the lightweights moving forward. That all being said, we're going to take a quick break, but hit us up on those social media accounts and let us know what you thought of UFC 254. Where does Habib rank now in the GOAT conversation? Who is your GOAT in MMA? And all that and so much more. So hit us up at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Hey, this is Vince, the Cowan Man Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to round those bases, Pad. Got to talk a little bit of baseball first, a little bit of rumors, something going Ooh. on. Yeah, we're talking rumors. A uh, little bit of baseball, you know, postseason hasn't started yet, but the hot stove, you know, you're, you're getting it lit. It's almost going to start. Uh, Patrick Creighton, who uh, is a... Uh, radio host on ESPN 970, 97.5 down in Houston. Uh, it was said on Twitter yesterday uh, that, quote, bad Astros rumors. Hearing George Springer does not want to return to the Astros. Owner had said before season re-signing him was top priority, but nothing ever materialized. Would be huge Would be huge loss for Houston. Top offensive bat slash strong defender at premium position. Best free agent bat, in my opinion, close quote. And I have to agree with him. That would be a massive loss for the Houston Asterisks. Uh, George Springer has been huge for them. But I can understand him wanting to get out of, under that shadow of being a cheater. But, hey, uh, you can change, but spots will never leave. Facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, switching over to the World Series because hot damn, this has been a real good World Series. Uh, we are currently sitting at Game 6 is tonight as we record uh, 8.08 p.m. Eastern on Fox with Dodgers leaving, leading the Series 3-2, to two, although holy shit, Game 4. Game 4 was the wildest ending I think I've oh seen. My that, Lord. Was, that was straight up Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh-huh, that was Buffalo Wild Wings. And to the, and to the people saying, oh, it was worse than uh, Bill Buckner in, with the Red Sox in the World Series against the Mets? No. 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 Stop. Because that's something that first basemen practice from, like, you know, they're a child. And even more so in the majors from spring training all the way through the year. So that is the most, like, routine play in baseball. Do you want to walk them through the play? So it's bottom of the ninth. 
uh, I believe bottom of the ninth. Yep. No, yeah, bottom of the ninth. Uh, the Rays are down seven to six with runners on. I don't remember, but base hit into center field, and the center fielder goes to get the ball and just error of errors. You know, it flies out of his glove. Mm-hmm. So another guy gets it, throws it in to I want to say it was the second baseman or the shortstop. I forget because defenders, in case you don't know, move around on the baseball field while the play's in action because they got to back up certain people or they got to go to a certain position, much like football. Yeah. Uh, so gets into the relay guy. The relay player throws it to home play, and then I honestly can't see the ball leave. But ball misses the catcher. Catcher goes spinning around like, oh, shit, ball's not behind me. At this point, the pitcher should have been behind home plate, but because he didn't give a fuck, mm-hmm. he was off dilly-dallying, hanging out on his own on the third baseline, which let the runner on who was on third base at that point, because he'd run from second or first, I believe, at that point, Yeah, uh, stumbled coming down the third baseline, mind you, get back up, run home, and score. Ball game over. Tampa Bay wins. It was the most wild ending I oh think I've God. ever seen. Oh, my God. I left my house to drive my girlfriend home because we were hanging out together that night. And, and it was tied 7-7, seven, seven or, or no, they were down 7-6. So I was like, oh, okay. Got home from dropping her off at home, and the Rays had won the game. And I'm like, all right, I got to see how this ended. And then I saw the highlight, and I went, holy shit, what did I just see? Yeah, it was absolutely crazy ending. Uh-huh. The series has been fun to watch, yeah. I will say that. So tonight, uh, any early picks, Pat? Uh I know the uh, Rays are going with Blake Snell, and the uh, Dodgers are not going with Bueller. 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 If they were going with Bueller on short rest, I think it'd be game over. Dodgers win, but they're not. So I think it's good with uh, Blake Snell, you know, a little added motivation. Keep the series going. Uh, I think the Rays are going to be able to pull it out and force the best two words in sports. Game seven. Coach, any feelings? Baseball. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to say if the Dodgers have any chance to win this series, they got to pull it off tonight. Mm-hmm. If they go game seven, it, it, I don't. I do not like Kershaw. On any kind of day's rest, no. this this short. No, so. and, and I know Dodgers fans are real pissed off at uh, their their manager there. That I've even seen some online say, even if we want to win a World Series, I want that man fired. Yeah, Dave Roberts is not exactly winning over the Dodger faithful right now. No, and they're a real angry fan base at times. So definitely something to watch. We'll definitely be recapping it on next week's ODPH Sports Edition. Mm-hmm. Coach. Basketball! Hey! Uh, the NBA uh, uh, rumors tentatively scheduling a 72-game season. That, ladies and gentlemen, might start possibly around Christmas. Ooh, yeah, so nice. we're possible Christmas Day games, which was I was my biggest contention. I was very concerned that Christmas Day games weren't going to be around, uh, which would have made me very sad, although I love my family and I enjoy my children opening their presents. I also enjoy watching me some basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that can work out. I know that's tough schedule-wise. I know they've talked about you know, maybe doing host cities or potentially doing, you know, traveling. Uh, I read a rumor that Toronto might be looking to play uh, in Louisville at uh, the Pepsi Center. So there's Um, still travel restrictions up in Canada. Yep. So they might have to to play in Louisville for this upcoming season, whether they're allowing fans or not, I don't know. Um, But we're also about three weeks away, four weeks away from the draft. So that's also right around the corner, too. Yeah. We have to work out the Twitch stream for that. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll have to figure out something because I'll definitely be, you know, a bucket of emotions depending on whatever the Knicks do at eight. I mean, it all just depends on who's there. 
Which it reminds me, I did get a notification on something Knicks related, but yeah. I got to pull it up. Yeah, they're uh, willing to take on bad contracts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ian, so Ian, Begley, Ian Begley is saying the Knicks are open to open to using their 2020 cap space to trade for an undesirable contract. Yep. So Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. Yep. Here they come. One of the two. Draft night is going to be so much fun. <sighs> no, it's not. It's going to be more dread, more pain, more suffering. Pain. So that's why you should be subscribed to. Dude, I just. Oh God. If they, like. I mean, Chris Paul would be all right because he can take a bunch of Jamokes and lead them to the playoffs. Sure. Like, I'd be sure. cool with that. But, like, I mean, and I don't want to, you know, hate on the Brody because, you know, he doesn't like that. But I do not want to see Russell Rusbrook in the next uniform. No. I am sorry. It no. just that will not bode well for that young team. I'm afraid of what he'll do to R.J. Barrett's growth. Uh, and potential, I think Chris Paul would would be good, tremendous. Good teacher, mentorship yeah. for, for RJ. Yeah. I think that would be, I mean, amazing. But then you've also I've seen the rumors that uh, the Lakers are in the mix for Chris Paul. I've seen the Lakers in the mix for Derrick Rose. So a lot of uh, off season rumors already coming, which is nice. But allegedly the yeah, Washington that, Generals are in the mix for Chris <laughs> Paul. That Knicks, that Knicks, and the the mm-hmm. contract thing I saw and it made me. Very, very queasy. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's what we're saying. You definitely, if you're not, if you're not following twitch.tv slash six seven podcast already, this is a reason to follow, subscribe, definitely keep your eyes Dude, you locked to it that I, night. You have no idea. I, I, I had to yell. At, I actually, you know what though? It's kind of funny. Is I yelled at my wife during that Giants game because she picked the Eagles, and when the Giants scored, she got upset. And I was like, "Listen, you're gonna wake the kids up." You scream, and I go, yeah, but when I scream, I do it under control. Like, I've got a way of screaming that doesn't wake up the kids, you know? Like, uh, I, so when Notre Dame plays night games, you know, I get, yeah, you know, the, uh, but I don't wake them up. That, you know, she's got to learn that. It was brutal. My son woke up, Mom, what's going on? Sure, well, Mom's sure. getting upset about the football game, kid. You know, go back to bed. Should have heard me during the Penn State uh, Indiana game. Fucking Christ. What a touchdown that was. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, when you posted that, I, I so badly. Uh, so if uh, anybody didn't, Pad posted something about uh, the Mont- uh, the Penn State, the Indiana screwdriver. Indiana screwdriver. And I wanted to mm. comment and say Penn State screwed Penn State. You know, Brett yeah. screwed Brett, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was like, it's too soon, and I didn't want to. Fun fact: uh, Montreal screwdrivers on my birthday. Hey, hey. all right. Not Speaking sure of, segway. Yeah. Bam! Look at the kid go. Yeah. Pat, what are we going to talk about now? You're uh, going to take my base here, but go ahead. Yeah, so it's uh, WWE Hell in a Cell took place this past Sunday from the uh, Amway Center or the Thunderdome. Thunderdome. I, re- I re- realize I don't have a, a button set up like Rich does over for uh, 3FN, but it did take place. Uh, some of the matches that took place, R-Truth defeated Drew Gulak on the pre-show for the 24-7 title because apparently that def- belt can be defended in a regular match. Who yes. Knew? Who knew? Uh, it, and how much did this surprise everybody here? They opened with Roman versus Jey Uso for the Universal Championship. I was shocked at this. I thought this was going to close the show. Yeah, I, I was I was shocked, but I'm glad they opened with it because holy shit, that would have been a really bad way to end the show. I got a bit, bit of a downer. I got a notification that like said, you know, Roman Jey Uso kicking off cuz I was watching Sunday Night Football and I was sure. like, "Whoa. Yeah. Kicking off?" Yeah, no, I, it was definitely a surprise. I was like, "Oh, we'll see where this goes," but I'm gl- I'm kind of glad they opened with it just because Again, storytelling. I know. I know. I you know typed it on you know the the watch party for whatever pay per view was last for the six or seven podcast Twitch stream. You know the their last matchup with Roman and the and Uso made me real uncomfortable. The storytelling yeah. made me real uncomfortable. 
This one even more so. Yeah, the Clash of Champions one was was brutal. This one was even worse. Yeah, but I, I'm how, glad they opened with it. How good though? Oh, so damn good. Storytelling's overrated, guys. It's all about the moves, man. Yeah. It's all about the super kicks and the flips. If there has anything, the, the pandemic wrestling, <laughs> pandemic wrestling, I guess you can say, and what, what I mean by that is wrestling with a virtual crowd and virtual sound pumped in. Because let's face it, they ain't gonna worry about crowd reaction and, and getting people over or not. They can just pump in whatever sound they want. If there's anything that pandemic wrestling has taught us and, and kind of reinforced, you need good storytelling. <sighs> Ring psychology is so overrated. Give me a <laughs> spinning back elbow that lands on somebody's jaw. That's the finisher I'm here for. Oh, yeah. Only on Wednesday nights, though. <laughs> on yeah. TNT. Yeah. But this match delivered on all accounts. The the creative finish this, too, mm-hmm. where Roman forced Jimmy Uso to uh, – he put him in the submission, so he forced Jay – to save his own brother to yep. say I quit. Yep. Hey, that's just, that's one on one, man. I mean yeah. that type of of uh, rivalry and heat heatedness, you know, where you have a brother that you can play the emotions off of, is tremendous. Yeah, you know, I mean, because he can really add fuel to the the heel that is Roman Reigns with the brutality. Yep, you know, and watching your brother. You know, your family mm-hmm. get yeah. wrecked by somebody who you thought you could love. And even the one moment where they were there like, and, and they were like, listen, whatever's going on with you, we can fix this. Yeah. Like, they they were using real names. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we can fix this. We're family. We can sit this down. This isn't you. And just, like, Roman sitting down and almost breaking down. And I'm like, I realize this is a work, but holy fucking shit. Hi, Cole. Yeah. To breaking those, fourth wall. Yeah, so to those. <laughs> yeah, say, I mean, to those who say Roman can't really wrestle and sell anything, uh, Exhibit A. Well, I mean, I him and Daniel Bryan were great when oh, they yeah. had that quick string together. Yeah. But I, I think that this is great for the Roman character. It adds a layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that Jay Uso is really getting his opportunity to to dive into things. And the biggest thing is. I love the fact that now this is going to lead to Big Show, or not Big Show, Jesus, Big E, winning the Royal Rumble. Yes. And having this underdog story to win the title at Mania. Because that is going to be, if there's fans in there, my God, the pop that will be. If they can keep Big E hot. Mm-hmm. And and really, because I mean, what, we're looking at Survivor Series, so we're yep. three months away. Yep. So they've got to be able to keep him at bay. For and not have him interact with Roman for a while, and if they do have him interact with Roman, maybe have it be a tough loss where Biggie's down on his luck or some bullshit like that, and then all of a sudden comes back, wins the Royal Rumble, then you know, you know, big, maybe Roman takes him lightly, mm-hmm. and then Biggie sure. catches him. Sure, you know, maybe that can be the story that's sure. told. But like they got to keep him away, and they got to let him fodder, and that will be difficult for them to do because. They're going to probably try and jump on it too soon, and it's going to ruin Big E. Yeah, no, but outside of the Bray, you know, Alexa, what the hell was going on between them? The whole Roman story is probably the most invested I'm in in a story because especially end of the match, Afa and Sika, the Wild Samoans. Yeah. Wild Samoans come out, yeah. which I'm like, holy shit. They put the lay, you know, distinguishing that he's a tribal leader and this and that. Like, we're going places with this, and I am here. Yeah, this Ooh. is this is an incredible storytelling. Or if this leads to a rock match that they've I, always wanted. I've seen people saying if if – and I realized that the the uh, insurance is an issue, you know. But I, I saw somebody online say if with bringing in Afa and Sika in a freaking pandemic in for this, if you're not leading up to a Rock versus Roman match, what the fuck are we even doing here? The only thing I would question is, are they going to be in front of a live crowd for Mania? Because right. I, 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 I just don't see The Rock doing this in an empty in no. A Thunderdome. No. Listen, if, yeah. if Rock ain't willing to come back, and this is Brock Lesnar. Yeah. 
Roman ain't going to, or Rock right. ain't going to be yeah, willing that's, to that's do what it, I'm saying. That, that's the only thing I worry with this, that they're trying to hedge their bets a little too much. Well, that's why I think they're they're keeping Big E in the back pocket. Right, right. I think the, oh, the, yeah. I think the game plan is Rock. Yeah. Because there's no, you don't lean so heavy on the Samoan story mm-hmm. without having you, you, don't know, bring, you, don't, you don't bring up family yeah, and yeah, head no, no. the table. And, 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 yeah. I get that, but it's like I, I, I understand you want to plant that seed early, but I just fear that obviously we don't know when we're going to get back to kind of some sense of normalcy sure. for those kind of crowds, and especially for mania size. Like I say, I, I just I hope they're not hedging their bets too much. Like that's the only thing. I can understand, yeah. you know, plant, plant that Easter egg for down the road, sure. But I think as of right now, it, it's a gutsy call to make. You got to be planning something big because I, I had to look it up. I don't know their ages offhand. Afa's turned seventy eight in November. Yeah, and then uh, Sika turned seventy turned to seventy five in April. You don't bring out people of that age, especially given the pandemic and everything going on. Yeah, if, if for just a cup of coffee and a and a quick thirty second moment. Yeah, yeah. and I mean there is no other of the family tree who's in WWE right now that could push the needle no. for the story no, other than fully agree the rock. Yeah. No, you know, no, it, it makes a lot of sense to do it. That's why I said, I just, I just hope they're not going to try, you know, what, what's that? Pat? I just thought of something. Well, I've read a rumor the other day that I guess they're planning on having Roman lead some sort of faction. Uh, and that supposedly the Usos will be part of it because they're now going to be like indentured to him because of having lost in the I quit match and then the one prior. Right. What if the way to bring Rock out is if he gets if he brings his daughter in because his daughter is training oh. with WWE. What if he bring okay. what if he brings his daughter over to the dark side, so to speak? And, and Rock ain't happy because Rock. Yeah, he had that heel run. But for the last oh. however many years, he's, you know, been the good guy. Ben the do-gooder, you know, yeah, Superman. Yeah, I mean, it's not out of the realm of thought. How, what, wow. if they, what if they – because they've, wow, wow, they've, wow. they've clearly shown they're not afraid to bring in a, you know, kid of a famous wrestler, you know, Dominic Mysterio, and immediately put him in on the main roster. I've She's been – I forget her name. She's been training. Simone? Uh, Simone, yeah. Yeah, Simone's been training down at the Performance Center for at least a year, if not two now. Ooh, if we're fantasy booking, can I get one real quick? Sure. What if they bring in the – Gorillas of War, God. Mm. What if they bring in Tamatanga? Don't toy with me like that. <laughs> how, I mean, I know, I know they're, you know, I know they're not Samoan and stuff, but I mean, how sexy would that be? I mean, that'd be good. The Fatu, the story, you know, all that's yeah, there. Yeah. The Barbarian, Tamatanga. That'd, that'd be a ton of fun. Could you I'm imagine white. a heel faction Roman Reigns led group with them as his heaters? Yo. Even though he don't even need heaters? No. Man, that'd be a lot of fun. But I'm just saying if you want to bring Rock out for that, that that's how you I Dude, think that's the how you Rock do it. and Tama having promos yeah. against each other? Sign me up. Oh, so much fun. So much fun. There's never going to happen, but they, they, so much fun. Never say never. They'd have yeah. to lose the PG rating. Well, shit. Yeah, we I mean. we could bring back Raw Underground for this, and, <laughs> and then really, really test Dude, my that would be wall. that would be so much fun. Oh, sign me up. Give me the Gorillas of Destiny anytime. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Tomatonga on, on a live mic. Yep, <sighs> that'd oh. be that would be so much. That would that I mean I would literally I would dive headfirst into that. Yeah, oh yeah, take my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. To the rest of the card. Now, now yeah. you got me. Now to get now yeah. to get all bummed out for the rest yeah. of the yeah. card. Yeah, because yeah. I saw what was next. Yep. Uh, you had Elias defeat Jeff Hardy via DQ. Who cares? Cool. Yeah. Uh, the Miz defeated <laughs> Otis uh, to win, or I guess take control of the Money in the Bank. Yeah, they, they've been doing this weird story angle where the Miz didn't think Otis was deserving of it. They had a fake 
court case with yeah. JBL as the the judge and yeah, which and, it should have been Undertaker. Yeah, it would make a little a lot more fourth, sense. little fourth wall. Oh, little, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then Tucker turned on Otis, and yep. he's, he's playing the role of Marty Jannetty in this one. Yeah. So, but here's the other thing, though. Another tag team breaking down. Yeah, this oh. is with another with already depleted. With you just split the new day, you just you know move yep. the profits over. Yep. the iconics are done. The iconics are done. So like, if I'm a well, tag team in NXT. I'm doing everything to go up to to stop from going up to main roster. Yeah, because you're just gonna get split. Because I just it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. I understand they really want to push Otis and see what they can get out of him. And I granted he's entertaining as all hell. Oh sure. yeah. So I've, this can kind of set up some feud for him. Then let's see what happens. But yeah, I, but he's not Big E. No, I, I agree you know, with you. Yeah, here's he's the not. thing I don't get with the heel turn. They're on separate fucking shows. Well, because they were going to build it up. They're going to toy with it till like you get that moment in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Into each other, and then it'll be the Mania match. All of a sudden, Otis is going to turn around. There's going to be Tucker, and Tucker will probably eliminate himself instead of having to face him. And then, yeah, you're going to yeah. get your Mania match. Yeah, it'll write itself. But the that Miz, will open. That will be the kickoff show. Yeah. 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 But this was actually a pretty good match, though. I will yeah. say. So yeah. Yeah. The Miz is now your new Money in the Bank uh, holder. So. Yep. I'm all here for that. Yep. I mean, tough though because I mean, obviously, as we'll get to it, the uh, it's a little crowd top heavy right mm-hmm. now. Huh? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's very crowded for that world title picture. Yep. Uh, up, up next, you have the SmackDown Women's Championship match where oh. Sa- Sasha Banks uh, defeated Bailey by submission to become your and new SmackDown Women's Champion. Possible match of the year. Uh huh. I mean, these two don't put on bad performances oh, together. I'll say they this did was so good. They did everything they could to top some of their NXT matches, and God damn it, I think they did. What was Sasha's "I'm a la Eddie Guerrero, willing to kill myself in this ring right now to tell a story" moment? Uh huh. Because I know there was probably one of those. She did a bunch of meteoras, you know, her knee strike. Yeah. And she did one where she ran off a table to Bailey. (laughs) Like, it was... It's, it's, I mean, it's literally uh, Tax's death and Sasha trying to kill herself in the ring to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And those three things are guarantees. They were hitting all types of crazy moves. Like I said, Sasha, like I said, kept throwing different ways to do Miortas. Yeah. And, like, she looked – I mean, they both looked amazing. Yeah, sure. so yeah. This had everything you wanted, the the fake finishes. They were going all out with using, you know, kendo sticks. Like, they even had one they were trying to set it up, and uh, Sasha caught it in the throat a la yep. – um, Ricky Steamboat okay. and uh, Savage at WrestleMania. Oh, the steel chair? Yeah, yeah. yeah, like right in the throat because it was selling the storyline there. She injured her throat. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was, it was very interesting to see, like, the creativity. That you did. just, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, listen, those two make magic together. I, and obviously Sasha is willing to go there yeah. To, oh, yeah. to get something yep. over. So, you yeah, you knew this was going to deliver. Yep. Yeah, no, this was a five-star match. Like, if you well, even use, like, the uh, five-star in Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Three-star in the Thunderdome. Yeah, if ah. If you want to say this was uh, seven minivans, if you're going to say the uh, minivan match was still well, a five-star match. Sorry, still three stars because it was Thunderdome. No. Sorry. Being, uh, you're being hey, too, egregious. You're sorry. Being, you're being too egregious about this. Sorry. Being too Just salty about being this. Fact, being factual. Uh, but this one is definitely, if you're going to watch one match from this card, uh-huh. I highly, highly, highly recommend this yep. one. Yep. Then we have one that... Um, three minutes and 46 seconds. Yeah, which I have to give a shout-out to Cage Side Seats. Okay. Um the article, oh, the did, match of the year, yeah, they did for this is freaking fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I haven't seen that. Oh yeah, you have to read it because once you it read their funny. their play by play, it is fantastic. But yeah. but this one though, Bobby yeah. Lashley defeats Slapjack, formerly known as Shane Thorne. Yep. Oh wait, uh, the re- Retribution lost another match. Yep, no, they can't even win fifty fifty booking. Yeah, yeah. In, in the words of DJ Khaled, another one. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. 
Yeah, this one, three minutes of just a squash fest. And yep. Yeah, enough said. I'll say it was a piss break for those who needed a piss break between the almost half-hour long match that was mm-hmm. Sasha and Bailey, uh, and then the half-hour long match that was our main event. Yeah. But our main event, though, did deliver. It was, yeah. a, it was a good main event. Yeah. Um, obviously, though, it didn't top Sasha and Bailey. No. But this no. one, though, Pad? Yeah, it was for the WWE Championship, which uh, Randy Orton defeated uh, Drew McIntyre to become your and new WWE Champion. Uh, his not This is now his 14th, I believe, WWE Championship, which ties him for, what, second all-time? Second all-time. If, second all-time. Tied with Triple H. Tied with Triple yeah, H. Tied with Triple H. And only two behind John Cena and Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is I. We've said it, and I'll probably try not to say it, but I'm going to end up doing it anyway. It's been a tough time for Drew, yeah. uh, an yeah. unfair time to say the least. And, yeah, you know, obviously it's <clears throat> kind of clear that the storytelling is going with you know Randy leading the title onwards and upwards to WrestleMania to mm-hmm. face Edge. Yeah, I mean, so, in turbulent times, you lean on what you know most or who you know best. Uh, and in this case, it's Randy. Randy's been there. He's tried, tested, and true. You know what you're going to get out of him. You know he's a, he's a person you can lean on to have some good matches and, and really carry a story and, and put on some good stuff. So when times are as uncertain as they are, you lean on the old hands. Yeah, you definitely understand why they were doing this. And I think the Drew is still going to be around the title picture, so it's yeah. not like he's yeah. going away. Yeah. You still have the Miz now involved with the money in the bank. I thought he was going to cash in in this match. Oh, it made. I thought so because especially there was that one point where who was it? Was it Randy that cut the bolt, the the lock off the cage, or was Uh, it Drew? It's Drew. So yeah, that Drew cut the the lock off of the cage, and then you know, and then he got brought back in, but the cage was still open on the lock. I'm like, oh, is is Miz gonna come out and uh, use that open door? Yeah, I mean now I'm like we hinted at before. Top of the card is real heavy. Yeah, Miz having the money in the bank obviously looming over them. Uh, Randy as the champion, Drew as the champion Keith or Lee's former champion, Keith yeah. Lee still hanging around, and now Bray is in the mix. Yep. So real tough. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how Raw pal- balances this out and, and plays it forward because Hell in a Cell was a great pay-per-view. It might have been their best one of the year. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I almost wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of kangaroo court, if you will, and the Miz just starts defending the money in the bank. Well, you kind of almost because, want to see that at this point. Because yeah, exactly. Because I don't, I don't necessarily think he is the one to hold it. I because I don't believe him winning it against Randy at any point. And I, sir, I mean, he's got to cash it in. What by February? Now, does it reset though? That's the. That's, uh, that's, I mean, that's been the tried and true tradition. Yeah, I mean, I that you him. got one year to use it. I could see him cashing in at Rumble. Yeah, like he does. Some yeah, penny. but yeah. I don't see him winning it though. Because if the if if they are going with the way that the r- rumors have been reported, which is Edge, Randy yeah. Orton world title match WrestleMania, how do you have Miz cash in and win? And I definitely don't see they would not have a Miz cash in to lose. No, no, that's it's it's a slippery slope to walk. Yeah. So like I say, I don't know unless they decide they don't want to go with Edge and Orton for the belt. That's the only thing I could see them saying is like mm-hmm. that because that match is locked and loaded. That's going to happen at some point. I just don't know if it's going to be for the belt or not. So if they didn't want to do it for the belt, I could see him trying to sneak in there and make something happen. But <sighs> I just think it's tough because I mean, you given the current climate. Thunderdome, Mania, you know, you'd almost want to, you know, have, you know, so let's just say Miz cashes in at, at Rumble, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you, I mean, Miz Bray? Miz. How, if it's Miz Bray, how, Bray? how absolutely hysterical would it be to have 
Bray use his powers to turn Miz back into the real world Miz? Oh my god! And go and go that awful Miz bring, TV. Bring in, bring in Maurice <laughs> for some backstage segments. Just being like, what? Just, What's wrong with you? I just, I it makes it tough because it's like, where do you like, you know, and or do you go Miz, uh, Miz Drew, a, Miz AJ, Miz AJ? You know, I mean, Miz a heel, AJ the face with the heater. I don't. That's weird. You know, so you almost feel like. The Edge Randy Orton thing is just like we said, tried and true. It will carry you to Mania. You know, Randy will be able to get the title there uh, in one piece, mm-hmm. and he'll be able to put on a great match with Edge. And then you can save the Royal Rumble winner for SmackDown, which desperately would need that. No, I agree. I mean, they got so many questions now to answer, which, I mean, that's the thing about a pay per view that actually delivers. You actually have some misdirection they'll keep us as the fans engaged so mm-hmm. Helen Cell definitely pulled that off so yeah I mean yeah Miz winning it definitely led the uh, uh, kerfuffle to yeah because I was like what do you do from here yeah because with Otis having it I was like either he's going to cash in in the tag team like we had thought or he would lose it and it would just be okay he lost no big deal yeah, see, I thought he was going to try doing it to get back to the brand with with Tucker and Mandy. Right. Like, it was just one shot to get there, and if he failed, he was never going to see him again. Yeah, and have yeah, moment, something know, like that, stuck in limbo, yeah. It would have made sense, but, I mean, it's WWE, so this is why we keep watching every week to see what they're going to wind up doing. Or we watch football. Yes. This is true. <laughs> well, on Sunday nights we do. Or, you know, baseball for you true. know those who want to watch that. Yes. Or the other brands. Impact had a decent pay-per-view this weekend. Hey, yeah, good. Let's give them good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they had actually a decent pay per view weekend. Yeah. I know ROH is starting up the pure um, title, the championship sure. is oh, coming yeah. back. So I know that that action has been going on, and uh, obviously AEW's got a pay per view coming up, full gear. Yeah, so which they've got, uh, you know, singing song alongs on you know main TV. Hashtag you, hokey shit. That's not hokey. That's real wrestling. Yeah, I was that's say. the pure of the sport, purity of the sport. Yes. Uh, so. I don't even think we want to get into that mess. No, I mean, I just wanted to say that that was a five-star performance. Top-notch. Yes. for me. That's that's real wrestling, guys. Sing-alongs on a uh, dancing floor with an uh, acapella singing group behind you. That's wrestling. Not hokey. Wrestling. Well, we've we touched upon this before, and I know we even deep-dived into it a little further on hashtag 67TWS. Yeah, for a company that claims that they don't want to do anything hokey, this <laughs> was definition. <laughs> this was definition. So, yeah. so it's like, who are you talking to and who are you trying to give that Kool-Aid to? Because, hey, I mean, that was great singing, okay? I mean, it was what it was. It was entertaining, but for your company mission, which is we're, we're the new alternative, where was it? That wasn't. Sure. If WWE did that, AEW fans would be losing oh their mind. Oh, my God. They would be flipping shit. Yeah. Oh. If you had Ugh, if you barf. had Bray and Braun doing that segment. Yeah, yeah. If they did any semblance of like some sort of sing along, even if it was in the Firefly Funhouse, mm-hmm. where it was like you know disbelief can be suspended, people would still be like, Bray just sang a song. Ugh, that is so dumb. Even if it was in the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah. I want more super kicks. Yeah, exactly. So like I say, hey, you know what I also love? All the you know for the quote-unquote safe style that they work. Really weird to see so many guys get injured the past two weeks on AEW. Just going to say that. Yeah. You know, throw that at throw that out there. No, you I, know. they've been actually very, very reckless. Uncle Dave, safe yeah. style, huh? Why is everybody hurt? 
Yeah, especially what yeah. happened to one member of yeah. Dark Order where he got hurt and yeah, was out fucking cold. Let's talk about that real quick, huh? Guy gets knocked out in the middle of the ring. What do they do? Drag him to the side. Does the referee even check on him? Nope. Where was that, Uncle Dave? Yeah. It, it, Crickets. It, it was just is a messy situation with that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. And, and it's the second time they've had a big incident like that since the Matt Hardy, uh, Sammy Guevara. <laughs> Debacle. Yeah. So AEW's got to step up and fix that because, I mean, I me watching at home, I mean, I got real issues with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, that's I, just, I mean, listen, as much shit as we can give WWE for all the other shit that they're doing, mm-hmm. they're at least trying right now to keep people safe. All, you know, all with the climate and current climate and all that bullshit. But that, I mean, in the ring, you got a guy unconscious and the referee doesn't even go to talk to him? Yeah. Dude. It is just, it was bad, bad all around. And I don't think there's anything you can say otherwise. No. No, so they got a lot but of But they work. got a pay-per-view coming up, guys, so every match will be top shelf. Don't worry about it. It's actually not. Water it, under the bridge. It's not looking like a bad pay-per-view, but Hey, Ken, Stop. Pick a lane, Carson Wentz, all right? Are you either for or against, all right? I'm for good wrestling. Oh, okay. You're one of those people. Yeah. Oh, we can have two brands that exist in the same universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, that's why I also talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling and talk about Ring of Honor. Like I said, the Pure Championship is coming back. (laughs) New Japan is so 2002. Oh, my God. And obviously you don't listen to hashtag 607TWS every Thursday night on Twitch. Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. Definitely join in that chat. Uh, so let's take this show home, shall we, with some locks and leaps. So, Pat, are you ready to lead us off? Yeah, so looking at my lock, I think this is probably the easiest pick of the week. I would be surprised if we don't all pick this for our lock. Uh, that is the Kansas City Chiefs to defeat the New York Jets because, holy shit, the Jets fucking suck. Uh, currently, the Kansas City Chiefs are favored by 19.5 points, and, yeah, I expect them to clear that and then some. Coach, are you taking that as your lock? I am not because I have picked against the Jets twice now, and I've gotten burned. Wow, okay. I'm not doing it again. That's fair. Uh, And then for my leap, I know Rich will be happy about this or pissed at me. Uh, I'm taking the Oakland Raiders to defeat the Cleveland Browns. Currently, Cleveland is favored by two and a half points, but I think the Raiders will be able to pull that off. He's going to be a little fired up. I mean, I know you guys are now tied on the 607 uh, podcast bracket Ah, on our Facebook page, so if you're going there to check, which – Coach has taken the lead in our overall bum, bum, podcast bum. group, uh, who's up by one, Let's I believe. Let's go. Let's go. I, listen, I really wish I was putting money on these games right now because I'd be up. I'd be up. But, you know, here we are. Uh, I'm going to share that with Pad. I'm going to take the uh, uh, Raiders as well. Uh, I know it's a West Coast traveling east, and I, I don't really like that idea. But I think the Raiders are playing really good football right now, and and I think that they're going to win this game. Uh, And uh, my lock, I say it time and time again, I hate picking Thursday night games, Uh but I find myself picking them time and time again. I'm going to go the Carolina Panthers and Big Teddy to spank the Falcons. Uh, Panthers are at home, favored by two and a half points. You know, this will be when Atlanta haunts you because who is Atlanta? Was God, Atlanta. being Atlanta's falling into the end zone. <laughs> that just when you thought Atlanta had every way to lose a game, no, 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 they found a new way. Not so fast, my friends. Which is to fall into the end zone, 
And it's so ironic because, like, you know, I was listening to, uh, you know, another podcast talk about it. It was like, you know, this is just karma for Gurley four or five years ago, you know, when he had that wide open lane to run, you know, score a touchdown with the Rams. And he, when they played the Patriots the or when they played, yeah, when they played the Patriots in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl that season, yep. he had that big run. Ironically, I think it was against Atlanta where he fell short of the of the touchdown yeah. to secure and to so they could run out the clock. And now here he is, almost the same exact situation, and he his momentum carries him into the end zone. It was. It reminded me of Bradshaw in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, where he tried to turn around and stop, and he just landed on his butt in the end zone, just like a little kid. Like, oh, mom, I just fell in mud. Like that's what you know. It was so funny. Yeah, but re- just when you thought Atlanta can't lose games any worse, they find ways. They find ways. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how they do this. I have to give them credit for it. <laughs> yeah. At this point, it's artistry. Yes. The art of losing. The art of losing by the Falcons and by the Atlanta team. Yes. <laughs> So for my lock, I called it last week. I'm sticking to my guns. Hey, Tua, welcome to the NFL. The Rams are favored three and a half. Uh, I think the Rams are going to absolutely demolish the Dolphins. They're not going to be prepared for them, that's for sure. Exactly. So this is going to be brutal for them. I I could see this being a 10-point victory at the minimum. I think the Rams are going to come into Miami and absolutely go crazy. I know it's a 1 o'clock West Coast, East Coast. I don't even give a shit. (laughs) This is going to be Tua's going to get wishies back in Alabama. Enough said. And for my leap, let us roll some dice, Uh-oh. shall we? Uh-oh. I See, for me, I don't think it's that crazy of a leap, but I saw the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers are dogs oh. to Baltimore. Interesting. So they're dogs by three and a half. So you know what? If Big Ben and company are the real deal, they're going to have to go into – the Purple Rain, known as Lamar Jackson's home stadium, and take one away from the Ravens. This is going to be hard-hitting. This is going to be a very yeah, close game. So that's why I say I like the Steelers in this one. It's going to be close. It could be a three-point game. I fully am banking on that. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODBH podcast is that of Brian Wolf and Fair City Fire. Now, Brian has been doing something on his Patreon pad. Uh-huh. He's been doing Patreon concerts every Wednesday night on his Facebook page. Oh, cool. So you definitely want to go over and check that out. How do you get there, though, Pad? I don't know. You go to ochoduroparlayar.com slash music, ah. and the new updated Brian Wolf music uh, links are up on the page. Cool. You can also check out our friends such as Shout at the Robots who just rolled out a Patreon and who got some really cool merchandise. You can also check out Second Suitor, Tom Jolo, who was just on the show. The episode is still downloaded and charting all over the place and all the other great bands you hear here on the ODPH podcast. You can also go over to the directory which has friends of the show such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming and Excite Wrestling. Organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and voter registration. And remember next week to get out and vote if early voting is in your uh, part of the world definitely get out and do it you can also check out all the amazing pod groups that we are in via their pod chaser pages so shout out to pod nation shout out to the legion independent podcast shout out to alternate reality radio shout out to 607 podcast and shout out to the apocalypse who we are actually pod rating our friends over at horror zone 607 this week so shout out to rich ron mike c and hashtag big natty cool Find out what's going on with them on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. they got a lot of gaming stuff going on. Ah. And the boys' rewatch is starting very soon. So Diesel has not seen the boys. Uh-oh. Do you believe oh, it? my God. Still? Yeah, he has not seen it. Jesus. He's going to start from I don't, We talked about it on the one UFC that he was with us. Yes. Yeah. They're planning on starting within the next couple weeks. My God. So that is going to be must-watch TV. 
if you have ever seen it. Much watch streaming, however you want to find it. You can find out about that and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and go Bucks. For the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Stick it to Tua. We're taking this one. No offense, kid, but screw Miami. I Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.